and welcome to another episode of Bushido Cast. I'm your host Craig, joined by my co-host Gav. Hello. And uh, Jason Nos himself. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming along. Uh, I think Gav's working on the t-shirt still. I've, is that my job? Is it? Oh God. <laughs> Talk about this at the start of every episode. I thought you were in charge and doing the t-shirt. Um, I, I think I've got enough jobs, so yeah, you can you take that one. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to take that one. I'm going to print Prashida Cast t-shirts. Yeah. Oh, right, no, but, let's do it. What are we talking yeah. about today, Craig? Um, so we are talking about the new uh, deck of cycle cards. And, oh my, uh, that is exciting. Yes, yes. So um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really exciting. So this will be the second cycle that we've seen. Um and uh, yeah, so far we've had Risen Sun, and I believe this one's called Weeping Sky, if that's right, Jason. Yeah, uh, it's um, named for uh, the event that happened recently that most people are aware of that gave us uh, two pilgrims instead of one. Um, and obviously, like the other one, it's it's designed to show you what's going on in the setting in this, uh, this time period of this cycle. So um, it's got a lot. Uh, every card has flavor text. Tells you what's uh, some some of the background that's going on at the moment. Some of its quotes, some of its uh, just information. Um, the, uh, uh, the the cycle decks were supposed to come out every year, but obviously COVID happened, and we thought we didn't want to put out new um, narrative without players being able to affect it. So we've waited until, uh, if you remember, the uh, the first event at the start of this year was the Blood and Dean event. That's where the players. At that event, got to decide the Dragon Civil War, and yes. um, the sort of the aftermath of that is in this cycle deck. Um, so uh, the um, those cards will now be available to play, and you can sort of play uh, through this period of of the Joir Isles. Um, so like before, when Hagane and Hero were fighting each other for control of the clan. Uh, we saw a lot of Hagane going out, doing things, making sure she was noticed and being the person leading the clan. And we saw that in tournaments. She was everywhere. We uh, sure and did. She, <laughs> and she, she, won, uh, she won a couple, I believe. Um, and uh, obviously, that's not necessarily going to stop. She's still going to be out there fighting for her clan. But this time, she doesn't get a card. Uh, Hero gets a card because he's the new daimyo of the Takashi. Spoilers if you haven't read uh, the uh, the end of the story from uh, the, the Blood and Deed event. Um, where can people find that story, Jason, to read it on the uh, GCT site? It uh, should be linked from the GCT site, and it's on the Discord as well. It's pinned uh, on the, possibly on the general channel. Uh, if you ask for it, plenty of people can link you to it. Great stuff. And in um in, in practical terms, you know, so this do we have a release date for this deck? Uh, no, we don't have an official release date. It's at the printers now. So as soon as they send it to GCT, it will go in the wave after we receive it. So by the magic of the internet, we'll probably release this. Comes out, and then Utah will probably do his thing, and cards will appear, and people can hopefully read the cards on the app when they listen to the podcast. Yeah, so uh, Mutaz already has the cards, and they're ready to go. So as soon as we have a release date, this podcast, the app, and everything else should be happening at the same time. We're getting quite good at doing that now. Yes. That's... Yes. Fantastic. <clears throat> so, so the deck is um the deck will be a single card deck. There's something for everyone in there, regardless of which faction you play. It's a it's a you know a single deck that you're going to get. It's going to have loads of loads of great cards. 
that will shake up the game, shake up the meta. Um, an essential purchase, you might say, for every Bushido player. Uh, I, I would, yeah. I think anybody who's certainly if you're playing tournaments or anything like that, you're gonna need, you're gonna want to play some of these cards. Uh, it's 54 cards in the deck. Uh, it's uh, 10 Ronin cards. Most of the factions have four cards. Uh, one special faction only gets one. Um, but uh, the, well, they do uh, get yeah. one, so they, <laughs> that's not bad. What's yeah, that they, get, they get something. They get something. <clears throat> yes. And and so, yeah, four cards, specific cards per faction. And in the last cycle deck, it was only two per faction, wasn't it? So Yeah, the last cycle deck was only 30 cards, and this one's 54. So we've been able to put quite a lot more uh, for each faction in. Very exciting. So should we should we get to the cards? We're going to go through them, aren't we? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, the uh, there's four per faction. So if we start with prefecture, uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see what the players of these want to uh, what we'll want to do with some of these. Um, so again, they they all have uh, flavor text. So. Um, it's some of the the changes might be interesting for people as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I think I, I mean, Craig, neither you or I play Prefecture. So, um... No, we've uh, we played against them um, uh, in various forms. But, uh, yeah, so uh, we, you you have to keep us right, Jason, if we uh, stray too far. But uh, I think I think we've got a pretty good knowledge of most of the faction. Uh, mm. Has so much uh, we had that first <laughs> experience with, but. Uh, uh, Let's take a look at the cards and see kind of how we uh, how we see them shaping up. So, what, um, what's so the first card called that we're going to look at? Sojutsu technique. Is that the, the badger? One. That's the one. So it's an enhancement. Yes. And who are you going to put this on? So it's uh, the requirement is Hero Massa. So yeah, Hero Massa is the Gunzo from the starter set. So he's got a spear and he's got a pistol as well. Um, cool. Uh, so this it's... is. This is one of the types of cards that we put in. Uh, Hero Master's a cool model, uh, and there's nothing really wrong with him, but um, he doesn't get chosen very much over the other Gunso. So we thought we'd give him a little boost by uh, offering him a card that people might use him in this cycle, and then maybe one of the other Gunsos will get a card the next cycle. So we can change it up a bit in that way. Fantastic, yeah. Keeps all your models usable, yeah, in different I, I do like that, because he, he comes with the starter set, and as you said, I think in the general pecking order from the various podcasts and, and lists I've seen, um, he unfortunately tends to slightly miss out. Uh, so this this might be the card that he needs to you know, to, to shine a bit, So uh, which probably say what the card does. Yeah. <laughs> so... Shall I, shall I read it out? Well, while within eight inches of the attached model, so Hiramasa, the Yari weapon of friendly Ashigaru using push special abilities gain brutal one until the end of the current activation. So it is a uh, it's an enhancement. How do you use it? Uh, so that's a you're constantly on ability. So it's constantly on, yeah. So the, until the end of the current activation, that just means. Oh, it's when they do uh, the push attack part. So when they do um, the push attack part, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So uh, your 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 Yari men become particularly good at pushing people away, and mm. um, yeah, so brutal in this case it wouldn't do any more damage. It would just be more likely that you get your success off and then uh, and then and then push them away. And that's particularly good if you're going against something like uh, like an Oni or something like that that likes to put all this dice in attack, uh, because then you can um, uh, hopefully have the initiative because of reach, and uh, they have to then have a 
difficult decision of do I, you know, how I to attack I need to defend. So yeah. where do I allocate my dice? It might be restricted, and, you know, maybe aggressive or whatever. So it might not even be a, an option. Uh, so the, the units like this are perfect for defending against like silverback gorillas and things like that because they can just push them back all, you know, m- most of the day. Um, they can they can just keep pushing them back. So, do they have uh, what push push attack push defense both? What do they have? Uh, there's no push defense yet. Uh, all, a lot of the Ashigaru in there. It's it's almost the the Takashi. I call it the Takashi maneuver. Is having reach and push attack, Great. so you yeah. you kind of have to play a bit um, dangerously because you put all your dice in attack, push attack zero. You've got three dice, but as long as you win that attack, they're not going to get to hit you. So no defense yeah. doesn't matter. Of course, if you roll bad and they do get to hit you, you've just got armor two to protect you. So mm-hmm. it, it can be uh, a bit dangerous, but this makes it just that bit more reliable. It really does, yeah. Brutals, brutals, heck of a good. Fantastic. Well, that looks like a card that might see some use. Uh, what's the next one? Crush uh, the Uprising. Unless there's anything fine. else you want to say about Sojutsu technique. No. Moving on. Crush the Uprising is an event. Play it in the starting phase. One enemy model with the highest rice cost in the warband gains a death sentence marker. Uh, if a death sentence marker is removed from an enemy model, this turn gain one scenario point. So it's a bit of a double double use event. It's quite nice. Three rice, you've got to stick it on a samurai. Uh, no, it means you have to include it. You have to have a samurai. Ah, you have to have a samurai. Yeah, sorry, because yeah. it's an event. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Um, no, that's cool. I've, and I think that is um, uh, one, one of the key things that it's easily um, uh, mixed up when you read that card. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty good card. Um, like... Uh, yeah, I think it's just it's just knowing when uh, when when best to play it. Um, you obviously have to go for the highest rise cost, so it's a bit restricted. Um, but yeah, if you can play for a scenario point or death sentence, it's, it could be yeah pretty. Unities do prefecture have to put out death sentence markers, so they can obviously put them out with one out with this. Are there? Are you likely to face face? Can't so is 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 the many. second part of the card like if a death sentence marker is removed? this turn um are you gonna have multiple chances to do that there's nothing in prefecture but there there could be running uh that do that kind of thing um but at the moment it is just the the one from this card sure yeah. okay so yeah something something interesting to look at in the future um but yeah could, putting a putting a death sentence on the highest rice cost on the enemy warband are you talking like yatsamatas there potentially which yeah. is always nice that's always a good way to to rein Yatsumata in, and yeah, I mean, I think we've said it before, but Blood Brothers obviously hate anything that kind of messes around with their sentence markers. Um, so there's a few niche things there, but yeah, I, th- I think as it stands, it's a it's a very good card in a faction that doesn't normally struggle with winning fights. So um, yeah, I could I I think this is probably the the free rice um, is probably the bit it does that seem expensive. Unless you get to you know the option of using both both effects, I think. Uh, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm not a prefecture player. I'm sure there'll be a use for it somewhere. Yeah, I think it's just about timing. When when do you right. go for it, and are you really playing for the death sentence or scenario points and and sort of playing it uh, playing it out there? But they've got some excellent um, excellent profiles and characters that can. Um, do a lot of damage in yeah. combat, so uh, the last thing you really want is someone with death sentence. 
Um, and it's it is really interesting this is the first first card we're looking at within this cycle deck that that has an effect on scenario points and there's a couple of those um you know different ways of scoring scenario points is a really really interesting kind of shake up so yeah worth bearing that in mind as we look at the rest you know we did we did have a little talk about that uh last episode as well and just say it we seem to be moving more to a format where you're allowing that to happen but normally the player has to make a decision to enable it they have to kind of select it's normally like two bad options that they've got and they have to choose one but at least they've got some decision over that you know they they, they could just live with the death sentence marker they may not want to but they're not forced to give away the point um so that's that's just an interesting kind of conundrum that you're putting out there for players it does yeah, yeah. i think uh, death sentence in just in this particular faction combos quite well with the uh, the Ashigaru with the rifles as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. The regular ones are only range two. Having them get an extra dice puts them to three. They can actually hit things and um, plus five on the damage is obviously ridiculous. So it's it's one good thing that you can do is if, if there is something like um, Yatsumata or something like that. Uh, or double buffalo. I, I ran into a, a prefetch a gun line with my peasant list i just managed to get to them before i got wiped but i think yeah this would make the difference potentially another reason why you might want to include a fox going forward because they wouldn't be the highest price cost so there you go balance your list out yeah Um, Um, so the uh, the only other thing i'll say about this is uh you can see this is from uh that little bit before um the end of the Dragon Civil War, uh, where Hagani has to uh, put down the rebellion from all the minor clans because the, every time the daimyo uh, changes, they have to test the new daimyo, and it should have been Hero, but Hagani had to go do it. So that's that's the bit of story uh, behind it. I see. So yeah, the, the flavor text there is "I will crush them all," uh, attributed to Takashi Hagani. Yeah very nice so i guess there is you're putting a death sentence marker on like the damio right the highest rice cost in the in the enemy yeah so. they, uh there's there is a bit of i think um andy's written a story where um Hagani essentially has to uh just amongst herself and her allies choose one of the daimyo of one of the families and just say you know we have to kill somebody and make an example <laughs> lovely so we kill this guy and the rest of them i'll uh, yeah. i'll calm down and stop trying to get more concessions from the uh, the new daimyo it's just so brutal love it, love it. yeah and okay. I, I do i do love that about all these cars all the flavor text and I, I and that's a good reminder i think we said it already once but if the, some of these cars obviously they are about the narrative and involving it and it's interesting how they come out in terms of the the impact in, on the game but i think you can enjoy the cars just from a, a purely kind of um storytelling perspective and uh and, and some of the quotes in there are are pretty cool um, at, i mean at the risk of going off on a massive tangent i know jason's posted some kind of uh light spoilers in the discord about you know the scenario sort of book that's coming out you know the campaign stuff which we'll do another podcast i'm sure to talk about that in more detail but all of this flavor that's adding is like i'm a i'm you know a competitive player in some ways but i love those narrative campaigns and stuff and this is all feeding in which is fab fabulous stuff can't wait for that to come out yeah absolutely um great i think the next card is lightning pace Mm -hmm. so So, it's enhancement yep yeah once per starting phase you can spend a pass token to walk this model one inches one inch (laughs) yeah one rice and you can have three of them 
uh, and you just need a samurai in the in the warband, right? Um, that is actually on the samurai that one. Cause so, it's, right. It's, so you're putting that on up to three of your samurai, yeah. or can you put three of them on the same samurai? Uh, it wouldn't help because it's once per starting phase. So oh, starting phase. Sorry. Um, uh, you could put yeah, you put them on three separate samurai, and you could move each of them one inch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, putting putting them on the same one wouldn't do anything because you can only do it once. Yeah, so you can. I think I think you you've sort of alluded to this card uh, when the when some of the kind of um, when some of the official rulings were made around. Uh, um, Sudden elasticity and things like that, alacrity, alacrity, and, yeah, and and things like that to sort of say we're taking a few bits away at this point. Um, oh, and patient dragon, and uh, there, but there'll be a few things going forward that will kind of um, help, uh, but in a in a less kind of obviously overpowered kind of way. So, I guess this gives people that opportunity to be more aggressive with their samurai, but then they do have to. They do have to kind of give forego uh, a resource to to enable it, uh, which which only seems right. Really, uh, it's 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 hard to imagine a world where you're kind of being very patient, but also kind of um, aggressive at the same time. So, it kind of makes sense that you're 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 either kind of going on the front for for the attack or uh, or, or being more strategic strategic about the battlefield. Um, does that does that sound about right? The way you interpreted the card. Yeah, and, and also if you think about uh, a lot of people get confused when we say Minamoto or a slow faction, but they have the same movement as uh, the uh, the dragons do. Um, they both have moved forward, but the dragons have a lot of these kind of things. This is a, a very obvious one now. So if somebody says, you know, how can you describe my Minamoto samurai as slow when the Takashi have the same movement value, we can just show them this card and say, you have a lot of these kind of effects. It's yes. not quite as good as being Benito, who just always have move five. Mm-hmm. But every so often you can walk an extra inch at the start of the turn and it gives you that little bit of an advantage. Um, yep. So it makes the faction overall a little bit faster. And it's very cheap as well. You know, If you've got a couple of rice spare at the end, putting one of these out might get you into a charge range where your enemy's not expecting or uh, possibly uh, like if you put it on somebody you know is going to charge, uh, it gets you around a bit of terrain that you may be using for cover. Yeah, get get those uh, lanes open. Yeah, that, that's pretty that's handy. Really, actually. Really, yeah, really useful. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been using um, place effects on uh, the, who's the the road camera Yuki uh, has a one inch place at the start of the turn. Just that extra little bit of mobility makes so much difference. So having that on three models, kind of yeah, every starting phase, I can see the efficacy there for sure. Looks like a good card. Yes, um, fantastic. So the, the next card, I think, is a is a, from a narrative perspective a very big one. It's the uh, Daimyo of the Takashi. So, uh, Gav, do you want to read us through? Yeah, sure. So that's an one? enhancement. Um, the attached model gains the Daimyo type and a key stat of three uh, four slash ten. Um, it's one rice and it's Takashi hero. Uh, it has to go on. Uh, and I like I like the flavor text here. Hero in a word. Courage, attributed to Hagani, who does not write haiku. <laughs> Very good. Um, so yeah, has to go on hero. And uh, so what's what's the change there? So they get the Damio type, and it, what is his key stat before? Uh, two eight. Uh, so two eight. 
he's the the main thing is the three. Obviously, that's firstly helping him in the balls key if he has to do any. Um, but uh, what, what I often say he rolls one of the best combat models for his rice in the game, and the reason for that is he doesn't have to spend any key if he doesn't want to. Uh, he's quite happy to um, critical zero, throw three dice and attack one in defense. He's got a reroll. He can have parry. Um, he can he can have faint and unblockable, which is a, a ridiculous combination. Um, yeah. But the three key a turn just lets him, when he wants to, he can just spend as much as he wants and possibly boost unblockable and faint. And yeah. if, if that doesn't kill something with powerful attack, then I don't know what does. So um, and it's only one rice, so it's not like you know a massive you know trade off there. It's a bit of a no brainer to take it right if you're going to take hero, and it makes him yeah proper good, like you say. Yeah, uh, one of the main things to consider with this, of course, is that you can't take this if you want to make him uh, an Ashigaru. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's, it's his old uh, cycle card made him an Ashigaru, which uh, gives him a lot of uh, interactions with things like move it. Uh, coordinated attack, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, when you're the daimyo, you can't be associated with the common soldiers anymore. So he can't do both because they're in different cycle decks. Got yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that the cycle decks really open up for us. Like, yes. uh, It's not adding in power creep for starters because he can't have both. Mm-hmm. And it lets us show the progression of the uh, the character. Uh, he, he used to be somebody who hangs about with the common soldiers. They all know him. They're all happy to go up and talk to him. Uh, and now he's the daimyo. He doesn't do that anymore. He's he's he fights on his own. He's uh, uh, probably attended more by the samurai than the Ashigaru these days. Sure. Wow. It's almost like you thought about it. Incredible. <laughs> I, I, it. I, I do. I, I, actually, I do really like it because I, I think um, his profile, especially when he gets the Ashigaru type, he becomes quite kind of he's obviously a fantastic melee uh, character, but he's also quite supportive in some ways. And this kind of just kind of takes him to that next level of just being a very self-sufficient fighter um i think andy came on and spoke to us about him a long while ago now but obviously as soon as he gets up to enough key to do uh he you know his two big key feats and get that faint and unblockable like you said you're you're really in for a whole a whole lot of pain so uh yeah it's um it's kind of good to see him reach his full potential as just a as, as just a very uh, dominant character and um I'm quite keen to sort of see how that how that pans out with you know who what what sort of uh, the crowd or the the the, the, the Ryu players will think of uh, you know him in that context and sort of how he weighs or compares up compared to some of the other samurai, especially Higane, who's been pretty popular of late because um, there's quite a lot of competition in that space. So yeah, really really interesting card. Do we get to move on to a faction we play now? <laughs> <laughs> I love Prefecture, really. You know, we, the more, we can. more of these cards that come out, the more tempted I am to, to have a little dabble. Really nice model for that one yeah. as well, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're moving on to Temple next. So Woo-hoo. there we go. Yeah. I, I think we're well covered there. So uh, Wow. So yeah, the first one that I've got on the list is Thousand Fist Punch, <clears throat> which is an enhancement. Um, it's got to go on a monk. It's two rice. Uh, during a melee exchange, when the attached model successfully uses combo attack, after, after resolving all damage rolls, resolve one additional damage roll at success level zero. So, yeah, a really nice little buff for combo attack monks. 
of, of which there are a few, I think. Um, Master Enos being one, right? Yeah, uh, he's the reason this costs two instead of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's by far the best recipient for this uh, because uh, he only needs to hit you for a zero success level, and he gets three success level zero damage rolls, which he can then obviously pay to either steal three key or just do three damage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's very good on him, but uh, to be honest, anybody uh, who's got combo, this is good for. Yes, does look like certainly a very good card that is going to see some use. I need to get Master Enos out again. Um, I know you've used him a lot, of course, um, but yeah, maybe this this yeah gives him just that little little bit of edge. I mean, think I think how many rice is he basic, Master Enos? Twenty. Twenty. Twenty puts him up to yeah. twenty-two, which is very expensive but that's a lot of, i mean that's a nice he's... nice bit of tech there and yeah uh, yeah it i think it I mean, definitely it, it's certainly something that looks like it, it needs needs to run out on the table he gets key block every time he leaves he does damage as well doesn't he so yeah he does have to do damage for that so he can't steal your key and give you key block yeah uh, but i suppose you, you can alternate it between so you've got three, oh, yeah. three attacks you can put a key block on and then steal two key uh, generally, for me, it depends how injured he is. I want to heal all his wounds before I do anything else. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because yeah, he's a finesse character with five wounds. You have to be a bit careful with with with, with him, but uh, that's a lot of potential to steal. And free key block is uh, for some models uh, pretty devastating uh, as well. So yeah, it's definitely yeah, but you're gonna nicely you're gonna upgrade. Kill him, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you models might. that really care about being key blocks, you know, you, probably not. You can probably monster, kill so. most models in two turns. So that's <clears> that's speeding up his efficiency quite a lot. So, uh, well, yeah, yeah it's it'll speed him up by an extra turn, perhaps. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty good if cool. he's relying on just killing things. But uh, it's not always so, a way with him. But yeah, that is pretty good. Next card. Next card. Let go. It's called. Um, let go. It's got a requirement of void, so it's only going to go on um, <clears throat> a limited number of models. Because there's an ex- is there an exclusion? There's no exclusion. Um, but you can put it on quite a few models if you're to take. Um, can you take student of master Enos with it to put void on a monk? Uh, yeah, the, the enhancements, so you can have both. Yep. So. Anyway, what does it do? You can discard the card to remove all non-reload state markers from the attached model. So I, I was looking at this card and thinking, what's it what's it doing for? Is it is it that you'd stick it on potentially a master? Because most of the masters, is it all except Koju, have void? Uh, uh, and Akari, yeah. Oh, and Akari, yeah. yeah. So, you could, so you could put it on a, on a monk like Poe to make, or, or um, Enos to make them more tanky. Is that yeah. the intent of this one? Poe, Enos, and Accuser have all, have all got Void. Uh, yeah, uh, there's also um, Satsumi with the, yeah. uh, the guitar. He's yes. uh, a Void Monk. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's just another way to remove markers in uh, Temple. It should have been a faction that's able to do this. But mm-hmm. when themes were added, I mean, this was a long time ago now, uh, when things were added, uh, all of those abilities ended up on the villager half. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. There's uh, uh, Atsuko and Hizau. 
both yes. have those abilities, but it should be a faction-wide thing. So this is just another little thing. Like yes, you can a monk can get rid of their uh, their negative states just by meditating and you know, achieving inner peace. Got yeah, like uh, it. And the flavor uh, text on this card so one unbinds herself from her earthly desires. Is that that's not attributed to anybody? Is that like a little teaser there? Uh, it is, and it goes with the next card. Ooh. Fascinating. Should we go on to the next card? Were you about to say something about the let go one before I so rudely interrupted you? <laughs> okay, let's go there. So the, the next card is that earthly tether. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I really, this is a fascinating one. Um, it's an enhancement while in base to base with the attached model. Friendly models gain immovable. Um, and the requirement here, so it's. Uh, I just want to clarify this. So it's earth and metal. Does it require both earth and metal, or is it earth or metal? Oh, that's earth or metal. We use a ampersand now to, to if you need both. Good, good to know. So that opens it up to a load more monks. I actually, I, I made some notes on this because if it was earth and metal, it would only be Kenko that could have it naturally. Um, but you could put like student and master Poe on something to give an earth element, I think, or metal element out to say Seiji. So yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. So if it's either Earth or Metal, it can go on Kenko, Seiji, Sekiro, or Yim. I think, unless uh, you put Student of Poe on any other monk. Yeah, but, it, but not, not a Master or Unsui. Yes, correct. So there's quite a few different options that you can put this on. Was there a monk that you had in mind when you put the card together? Um, not necessarily, no. I mean, uh, we... Uh, we had the idea of uh, let go and earthly tether as a, a matched pair uh, where one person is um, centering themselves and anchoring themselves in the world and the other person is sort of spiritually letting themselves go and, uh, and and looking more into the void and the, the things that aren't necessarily physical. So they're, they're supposed to be a pair of cards that, uh, that are representing monks doing opposite ends of the elemental spectrum. Fantastic. Yeah, I love that. With the, the, the in terms of flavour, definitely. Um, I, and, and I was I was purely because I didn't quite spot that um, that 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 connection. But now you say it, it makes perfect sense. I was I was looking at the the, the much as a, as a temple player, I'm looking at the game mechanics and like where who, who can I put this on and what's it going to do for me in a list. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's really interesting for I think um, the most interesting model potentially put it on is Seiji. Um, because of his 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 rice cost, so because this is this is a two rice upgrade, so it, that would put him from fourteen up to sixteen, I think. And it's you're you're you've got this monk that is anchoring other other monks and put basically putting out an immovable state. So you kind of want it on a, on a support monk, or you could stick it on uh, Sukiro, who's already immovable. And then he's putting out more removable in in models in base to base. So that's your kind of ultimate kind of tanky defense line. But then that makes him really expensive because he's already twenty one, puts him up to twenty three. So I think that's that's the decision there. Do you, do you make a really super defensive line, or do you kind of have one supporty model that maybe not, might not get much use otherwise? I might be talking too much about this, but it's just captured my imagination. This card. So uh, yeah. Any anything else to add, guys? I'm waffling just, on. 
just interesting because of some of the um, those updates on immovable as well. So that's got a little bit better. Um, yeah. Generally, uh, so that that is only a good thing. Um, it's kind of niche at the moment, so uh, a little bit more immovable in the game. Actually, I don't think it's a bad thing. So uh, it seems yeah. like uh, Rokan have got uh, got aspects of that already. Um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, I think I think uh, that's. It's it's a nice nice bunch of cars because uh, I guess the the monks are getting a bit more attention this time. I think in the last cycle it was animal trap and plenty of fish, which I think are more for the peasants. So yeah, so it's yes. good to see the the, the monks I get uh, some some of the attention here. Yeah, just uh, just to be clear about that as well. Um, yeah, a model if if you're measuring range, a model's always in base to base with itself, so it would get the immovable. Ah, oh, that's that's a really important thing. Because I was looking at it as, yeah, you put it on a model, but it's not going to give it to him. He's just going to be a, ooh, right. So I think that really does mean that Saiji, Saiji, Saiji? Uh, I think I'd say Saiji. Saiji, yeah. I, I, I couldn't be. Right, let's call sure him Saiji for now. We know who we're talking about. Um, I think, yeah, at the, as the, sort of the, the 14 rice monk in there, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think he is 14, um, would be a really, really good if it gives him a movable and he's also putting it out i like that and i haven't put him in a list for a long time so uh wonderful yeah next card then guys shall we um gathering for inari is this one so it's an event uh one rice cost event play it in the starting phase until the end phase whenever an opponent spends a pass token a friendly non-animal villager model heals one wound so um I think it, it's nice um, with because I've played bastions in a number of different sort of ways, different configurations. Like if you go and aggro, which you can do with peasants, kind of really, um, you know, use your activation advantage early game to use your buffaloes and your hitters to to um, really mix it up in combat. Um, then potentially you are reducing the number of enemy models that are facing you but you're going to take a little bit of attrition damage on the way so this is quite a nice nice card to kind of shore that up um if your opponent is starting to get past tokens because you're grinding them down um and starts to use them then yeah you're you're shoring up maybe the attrition damage that you've taken a little bit it's okay i think not not a no-brainer card necessarily but i think that's how i'd use it any other thoughts yeah, I mean, it, it obviously it reminds me uh, slightly of the, um, uh, the, the the theme for the followers of Inari. There's a similar mechanic where you spend a pass token you could potentially heal a model. Um, so it's, it's got that going. And uh, yeah, I think uh, you're, you're right. This one is more for the villagers where they have the, the numbers um, and obviously meet the requirements to make it to make it work. I mean, they can do a lot of heal already in uh, within villagers. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I it seems like a nice one for uh, one rise. It obviously, reminds me very much of the followers of Inari theme that we've just seen released with the Kitsune. So it's a similar kind of mechanic, and I think in a similar way. It's just about timing. Uh, it's a nice, it's a nice uh, buff to have at the right time. It will get your opposition um, to a place where they need to really think about whether they're going to spend the pass token or potentially heal some of the damage that they've done. Uh, so yeah, I, I think for one rice it looks it looks pretty interesting, and uh, yeah, it'll probably just come down to whether 
whether in the list you think you need a little bit more healing or uh, or, or really just kind of deterrent for to, for your opposition to spend their pass tokens. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I can I, see it being good. It's it's always a bit of a question. Do I do I stick a bit more healing list? I mean, healing balm is always a it's one of those. Nah, it's useful, you know. But but then so are traps, so are lots of other different things in the peasant yeah. list. So it's yeah. it's nice to have this different option that might make you steer in a different direction, like going heal heavy, for example. So yep, yeah, happy to see that card. I think yeah, it'll get some can, use. Like you say, this this was obviously a victim of of the delay from COVID and everything. This was supposed to be a preview for the Kitsune. Um, it's ended up coming out. Well, not coming out after them. It's still going to be released before the uh, the retail release. But obviously, we've seen um, we've seen the Inari box first, so um, it still works. I think, and um, it certainly re- reminds people that those are not just played on their own. They're part of the uh, the Temple faction. Yeah, um, so. definitely. I'm I'm very much looking forward to yeah putting some more of these these new kits in in. Returning to bastions that I haven't played for a long time, um, and 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 trying some of these new profiles, particularly when the uh, and and the Minkandenshi theme as well. I think you know, I'm waiting for the new the other uh, missing foxes to come out before I go back to that. Uh, but yeah, lots of lots of exciting new stuff for Temple certainly. Different ways to play. So yeah. are we done with Temple there? I think that's all. I Temple think cards. I think we're moving on to Culture URA now. I'll let yeah. you steer this one then, Craig. Because you're a cult player. I know yep. the first one's uh, Andy's favourite card in this, so uh, <laughs> I hope you've got stuff to say about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I play tested this one actually. So um, uh, I don't know, Gav, you can remember this this one. Um, it was a while. I do remember you play testing it and it being yeah, very impressive. Um, certainly not a push So the card is the Iron Wheel um, and is a um, an enhancement specifically for the Wanyudo. If I, I hope I said that right. Yep, that's right. The, um, the crazy demon wheel thing, which is such a good model. I need to pick it up and paint it with fluorescent crazy fire paints. Um, but anyway, so uh, it is, it's almost like a pure buff for the model, right? So it's one rice, um, plus one melee pool, endurance, and it gives it a new weapon. So the flaming wheel melee weapon is replaced with the iron wheel. So it's plus one strength, fire, one, two, pushed against, push defense, zero. Yeah, so it's interesting. Push defense. Yeah. Anyway, Craig, talk about it. What does so this card a, do? For it the is a massive upgrade to uh, the uh, one you do. Hopefully, that's how I say it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's worth more than one rice, but I think it does a lot to help the profile see the table and perhaps kind of operate in a very different way to how I used it under Risen Sun, um, which was largely combined with Crush the Oppressed to maximize fire damage. I think now it kind of can operate uh, in a few different ways. It can still be a very good delivery system for the pinout far, uh, far, far state, but it can also uh, just be a more direct kind of banzai tool because it's got that extra possible melee and it won't just kind of become exhausted and then more or less entirely reliant on fear to, for it surviving for the rest of the turn. Uh, that, that's often how I saw these um, being taken out. They would go in knock a few people down and then um, inevitably get kind of like worn down and, and picked apart by, um, by by the enemy, uh, which was a bit of a shame. And I think that's partially because Banzai sometimes lured them into situations where their, their two melee dice really didn't quite warrant it, but, uh, but he kind of wanted to do it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I see them very good at either start of the turn or, or end of the turn activations, 
uh, just because they've got all, all these kind of they've got dash and they've got banzai so they're and push defense as well is really helpful there push defense is nice because you don't have indomitable so you can just keep people off you if you're if you start to like once you've done kind of your banzai or whatever just to make sure you don't become exposed but functionally you become quite similar to a buto in terms of general resilience and 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 you know how you can operate on the battlefield you're also far more worrying to deal with in combat because uh previously you had a minus two strength this is a plus one strength, so it's a big swing. Swing of three, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's that special, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily help with the strength, but that keeps people off you, and the the extra strength helps you put the damage out. You're still putting what too far out. Um, and, I mean, this is a great model. Any time you look at it, you pretty much get, you know, you get set on far, so it's it's a great <laughs> fun model to play. Um, it's one of my, it honestly is, I put it in the URA starter set, and it's, it's kind of, it's, it's played in a different f- few different outfits now, but I've always enjoyed playing with this model. Um, it's actually a very, it, it actually has a very strong uh, set of uh, key feats, which I think still all work very well, even if it goes to this extra profile. But I think you'll probably be more inclined to uh, to, to to kind of use your banzai and kind of roll around the battlefield. Which, looking at the model, I thought, sort of feel like this card makes the model operate more in line with how you think it would do um where previously i think it kind of operated a bit more like a support caster which is which is fine but um you really had to be careful when you banzide uh just to avoid that kind of that that situation i mentioned earlier but yeah i think i've put um uh i think i think i think i was lucky enough to like max out on my key stat once uh my key test once with willpower and uh, the opposition like rolled a one, and I, I had a ridiculous number of soul far on, and then crushed the oppression to double it. So I can't remember how many it was, but it was more than enough. And uh, it was just one of those moments where you just sort of had to kind of think. But uh, napalm death, right? Yeah. So it it, it can even so, without crush the oppress, it can put out a ridiculous number of of um, of mark of far markers. Far markers it's just yeah. it just depends on how lucky you are with like it's a bit like um, uh, it's a bit like some of the other tool. Um, key feats where the success level matters rather than just being a success um, it can be a little bit variable at time but uh, at times but uh, when it does come off it's it's really good and particularly that makes some good at bullying key one models where they've got that kind of very random outcome to them sure. um, good craig we've got a lot of cards to cover we do indeed um, so you can it, tell i like that uh, i can I like tell you model. are really like, just diving like right into that and i need to pull you back out um jason i want to ask you you said this was andy's um one of andy's favorite cards is there a specific reason for that uh i think it's it's just a, a huge upgrade uh, and a different way of playing the model uh, and it's a model that we don't see that often um, it's also really good because this shows really shows what we can do with the cycle decks in general because uh, if you remember the last one harry and argo had a similar card yeah. uh, she's another model that uh, was uh, maybe a little bit hard done to in the edition change and so we gave her a card uh, that made her back up to where she should be and now you have to choose, do you want a Harry and Argo in your list? You're probably going to have to play a Risen Sun. Or do you want to play a Wan Yudo, in which case you're going to play a Weeping Sky. Um, and it means that we've, we're sort of creating these sub-metas, and it's another sort of puzzle for list building for the uh, the people who are who are going to spend time analysing that kind of thing. Yeah, like Craig, you can tell he's he's really cops are turning, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can talk about that all day. Yeah, but that, that's that's a good kind of one of the cost of going for 
you know, a different cycle is is what you're missing out from the other cycle you know assuming that's permitted in the format you're playing so like new moon was a was a, another card that kind of like really made the profile work amazingly well and uh, and and this and this this is kind of uh, you know at least on that level if not slightly better but um yeah, I, I I can see it being a great card because it's going to get that model back onto the table and uh, and and players can figure out kind of how best to incorporate it into their list. So uh, it's, wow. it's it's great to breathe life into an old model. It sure is, yeah, a beautiful old model. Um, so next card, anyway, Grievous Sins um, is an event. Play it during deployment. <clears throat> Recruit any orphan model that is not currently recruited into this warband. So this is a seventeen rice card. So the orphans cost how much? Are they all consistently? How many rice? Uh, 16, I think, yeah. 16. Yeah, so you're actually think... paying one rice to give you that flexibility of um, a sideboard, basically. Which, yeah, I which think maybe the new one's a bit cheaper, but yeah, they're, they're all around that kind of mark. And yeah, it's whether you want that flexibility uh, to, to bring mm. the right one for the for the job. So you do have to bring Ikirio in the list. Um, it, would you be bringing that model anyway? I don't know. You tell me, Craig. That feels more like a thematic thing because she's kind of going around gathering all the orphans, um, and she's a good model. Um, you, if you don't have fear tech, anti fear tech, then she's really difficult to deal with. And uh, everyone likes um, you know, laser eyes doing uh, success level four damage. Um, it's been popular so. for for Yure and now Kinchi. Um, so she's a she's a good uh, very good model i would say um, um and and yeah i i think the orphans are interesting um i feel like this card it feels quite thematic to me um i haven't played with the orphans enough to know kind of how that might work um but we, it's we should probably say that there's max two of this so you can take two cards and tailor two yeah so you can um, tailor your list a little bit yeah yeah yeah, and and I guess as more of them come out, uh, potentially more will come out, then this will get more interesting as well. How many sins are we aiming for? I can probably, I don't know. <laughs> I, I probably commit about forty every day, so uh, no, no uh, limit, right? I think, I think, yeah, I think it's uh, there's well, there's four at the moment, um, for the orphans mm-hmm. at the moment, I believe, and uh, yeah, so. Yeah, is there a Japanese fo- folklore version of like the seven deadly sins, or so it's, it's not that? really? Uh, but they do seem to really like the idea of them. So if you if you watch any anime, they were in Full Metal Alchemist. There is an anime just called Seven Deadly Sins. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they, they, so they seem to have, have picked up on the idea of uh, the seven deadly sins and the names of them, and use them a lot in more modern Japanese storytelling. So it's interesting that uh, the guys chose to put them in Bushido as well, but um, I think uh, I think it's something we've we've discussed as well that we we already know that one of the uh, the orphans escaped. So mm-hmm. um, currently they they can only have six because they're one down. Right, but that, so there's four currently. Yeah, um, they can only have six. So there's two potential, like the lost Primarchs kind of thing. Right, there's two, there's there's two out there's, there that. Two we've not made yet. Got you. Got you. Fascinating. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, I don't have much more to say on that one other than I am going to be uh, playing an, an orphan list soon just to get some first hand experience of them. So, uh, I may, yeah. I may well be coming back to that one. I look forward to uh, seeing them across the table. Yeah. So, next card then uh, Pariah's Voice. 
uh, is an event. Play it in the starting phase until the end phase while a friendly Barracumin model is using an opposed key feat. The target gains spirit minus one. Uh, so that's the first effect. It's two rice. It has a second effect. During the end phase, you may decide the order that states are resolved. So who wants yep. to unpick that one? <laughs> well, I'm, again, I'm really happy about this because... Um... You know, you would tell how happy I was about the Wang you do, but uh, the, uh, the one of the other things I quite enjoyed um, to start with in particular was the start set for Yure, and it's got Ibira um, and Co in there, Risu, um, trying to think, Emeka. Uh, so it's got it's got like three witches in basically, and uh, it was difficult to get their power level to where I wanted it to be, um, and. A card like this suddenly. Well, what's the power level where you want it to be? Overwhelming, right? <laughs> well, you want, you want their their spells to go off in a in a as reliable fashion as possible, uh, but also you wanted the damage to be done in the right order because um, your you get your wounds back depending on what state killed the opposition's model. So, like the the far. Uh, the far witch would get all her wounds back if far did the last bit of damage and so on and it's whoever goes into the end phase as the active player who gets to choose the ordering so uh potentially they may choose the ordering that's suboptimal for you so you might okay. you might have a combination of poison and uh, uh far on a model and they might kind of you know take take the combination and use the poison to kill themselves so that you don't get the so you don't get the far the yeah yeah, yeah. So things like that so um, so again, like I, th I think uh, this is this is a great kind of card just to breathe life back into uh, some models which um, uh, potentially uh, struggled to see the table as much as I would have liked them to. Because uh, I think some people have said that they've struggled a little bit here. Spirit minus one is a very good benefit, uh, even if it is for uh, just just a turn, um, because they typically just need one good turn to really yeah. get the damage in and they they actually were very good against one key heavy list but their efficiency went down significantly against two key lists where they're it's really a coin flip whether their their abilities go off and the way they function they they have to perfectly use cultists quite a lot on themselves so they were gambling their life away on a coin flip uh yeah. so this this is kind of breaks through that it also helps some of the more established burakumin uh who 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 are probably doing okay anyway, so like Makoti and things like that, um, and uh, yeah, I could I could kind of see I could kind of see a few people um, looking at that card and thinking it's it's a pretty good it's pretty good investment um, mm -hmm. for for two rice, so yeah, pretty I'm pretty happy about that. Nice, Jason, anything to add on that one? Uh, no, that, that basically covers it. Yeah, this was this was supposed to help particularly the Barakumin in the starter box, but generally all Barakumin that have opposed key tests, this has helps a lot. Good stuff, yeah. So we'll see uh, that in use. You can also use the order that states the result to save your own Kirai from being killed by fire as well. Uh, if you do the fire damage yeah. and then kill them with something else, they'll get rise. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's an interesting one, yeah. Mm, missed that one, eh, Robot Craig? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, right, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, not sure what other states they would have because uh, they, they're immune to poison and bleed, aren't they? 
Uh, currently, they're not immune to poison and bleed. It's just hard to get them on because the poison oh, yeah. traits don't apply to souls. You have to get on the yeah, uh, indirectly kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's a bit niche, but it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I get you. Okay. There you go. Right. So next card, Grave Misfortune, is yeah. an event. Uh, so play it in the starting phase of turn four. So there'll be some significance to that fluff-wise, right? Um, until the end phase, uh, when resolving a test, any dice your opponent rolls that have a value of four are treated as a value of one instead. It's pretty yes. pokey, pretty powerful. It's two rice. Yes. Um, I, I, I really like this. Uh, I think... First, what's the significance of four? Uh, in Japanese, uh, the number four is, is pronounced similar to the... Uh, the word for death is she. Yeah. Um, it sounds like death, so they, they treat the number four as being unlucky. Uh, if you remember from your um, Inari box, uh, they are the only creatures in all of creation that treat the number four as a lucky number. Um, they just do it out of spite, basically. They, they're like, oh, death's got nothing for us. We, we'll, we'll treat it as a lucky number. And they are children of a god of luck, so it works out for them. But for everybody else, they they uh, they, they won't live in. Uh, if, if if you're the fourth house in a row, then it's an unlucky house. If it's the uh, fourth day of the month, it's an unlucky day. So I think uh, that's why I think Goku has got strength plus four when she's got her providence thing. That the bad bad things happen to people. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so she um so she means number four and death. So who's master four? What does he mean? Ma- Sorry, Master Shi. Uh, so uh, those are names given to them because they give up their own identity. Uh, this is the Kinshi Temple. So is he uh, Master Death or is he Master Four? Uh, well, it's either one, to be honest. Like they, They're both considered bad things to have to happen to you. Um, and all of the names for the Kinshi Temple are names given to them because they give up their identity to the Void. They don't have their own names anymore. Um, so they're all known as... Um, various different connotations of unlucky um just bad things or one of them is i think the the uh, is, is just called 13 as well um mm-hmm. for example so uh yeah they they take on those uh, those names because when they show up bad things happen so they, they get given those names cool, yeah uh, cool. Nice. Um, so yeah, th- th- there's a lot of things, or there's a few things anyway, that trigger on turn four for Yure, and I quite like that because uh, they're kind of like a, a, a slow play faction. Um, turn four can often be a score in turn, so a lot of the themes already you get to win the the tactical role and things like that. Um, this is a really big buff on turn four, so it's definitely a card that I'm looking to to utilize. In theory, you could combine it with um, Pariah's voice if you've got the discipline to hold out that long. So there's there's probably there's undoubtedly other cards as well. Um, it, it it's just whenever so any test uh, or any dice your opponent rolls, obviously it's a it's pretty much most things are going to roll for the whole turn. It's going to cover things like fear test and melee and things like that. So some really important rolls. Um, I could see it being absolutely absolutely fantastic um in a otherwise tightly fought game it's just making sure you get to turn four in uh in a state where that's going to make a difference games, yeah. And, yeah and remembering to use this stuff you, know, you get to turn four in a game of bushido and you're knackered 
<laughs> I, I always forget those late game effects. But, um, well, I, I th- yeah, I think this might be one to write on your hand or whatever. But yeah, it's definitely uh, <laughs> tattoo inside your eyelids. I you, think you, it's quite yeah, culty, I think most it? most cult players probably have remembered their their by now their um uh, some of their turn four stuff just because it's ingrained in their themes as well. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, I, I think this one's going to be really interesting to actually see uh, how how how, um, how much you get picked up by. Yes, a strong narrative aspect as well, um, and I do I do like the, the little flavor ticks. Uh, I think this is like oh no, it's like Shinji, Shinji which uh, I think is linked to the Grey Pilgrim thing again. I think. Yeah, so something definitely definitely went wrong there, and Shinji seems to be the uh, the whipping boy of things that go wrong. End up being who's, who's Shinji? Sorry, uh, he is one of the Nazumi, the the rat shapeshifter. Ah uh, yes, got you. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's right. So that's it for cult cards. Um, we are on to Savage Wave next. Okay, great. So let's uh, move on to Savage Wave. So the first one is Gathering in the Dark. Do yep. you want to take us through this one, Gal? Oh uh, yeah. Let me be the narrator for all the cards. That'll do. You know, we'll have an inform a formal agreement. Let's formalise it. It's assumed up till now, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so it's the event. Play it in the starting phase. Um, until the end phase, whenever an opponent spends a pass token, add one key token to the Bakamono Horde card. And this is a two rice event. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think anyone who's played Bakamono know that uh, key is your lifeblood. So anything that helps you generate key is going to be good. Um Similar to the other cards we've mentioned, you know, when 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 you rely on your opposition to do something, you need to make sure the timing's right, so that there is a, a sort of an opportunity cost involved with them using or not using the uh, the pass token. Um, I should probably add, actually, obviously, there's some factions where this is going to potentially be even better, uh, such as uh, the classic ninja uh, themes. I, I mean, I was going to say, Craig, on this, it's like, are you likely to have your opponent because with Bakamona, especially Horde? Mm-hmm. You're looking to have more models, right? So how often is this going to, is this going to come into play? Unless you have, say, like a prefecture, pass token shenanigans. Is it more of a counter to that than it is sort of general play? Because you're going to have the number. Well, it's, it's when the opponent spends a pass token. So yeah. if you've got more models, yeah, you should have pass tokens. Which you're yeah. likely to have being Bakamono is the point. You're likely yeah. to have the more models. So, so you are likely to have them. So they're likely to have the pass tokens. So it will work, yeah. Ah, yeah. Sorry, I'm being stupid. That's right. I won't. I won't edit that out. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah this is, one of the things I've found this to be best for is uh, like obviously it's good against prefecture or ninjas, but they tend to have goals with their past tokens, knowing they're always going to have those. Uh, but those factions where you might just be playing like a twelve model list against a an eight model or a seven model list, and they're like, oh, I've got some past tokens. It can really make them think twice about using them, and that can just give you that edge when you when they need to wait for a scenario thing for you to do something. But they're like, oh, but then it's going to give you this extra key. Do I want to wait? Um, and there's no good answer to it, which is the best bit. Yeah. yeah. So it looks like a good one, and uh, yeah, very thematic. So uh, next one, and it's nice to see. Sorry, just you know, back only getting a few like little side buffs because we saw the mushroom kind of nerf recently so that's one of those that's gonna you know pick them up so next card yeah impending doom 
um, is an event. Uh, but play it in the starting phase. Choose one of the following. Choose a model. That model gains an additional one of its markers uh, or non-activation counters or non-ammo tokens of your choice. Or choose a model. That model removes one of its non-activation counters or non-ammo tokens of your choice. So yeah. you're either adding one or taking one away of those. Uh, yeah. You need a Sugenja in the warband and it's a one rice event. So lots of stuff you can do there. Let's let the listeners work that one out, shall we? Yeah, I think there's, it'll be a lot of interesting combinations uh, with, with that card, given how flexible it is. Um, just the only one thing I really wanted to say is that the flavor text does say the garrison will fall. So that's oh. that's pretty cool. It is. It's telling so, us something, isn't it? Yes. Right, so next card, unless Jason, anything you want to add on that one? Uh, no, like, there's, there's a lot of um, interesting things that it does, so I, I'm expecting people to find even stuff that we didn't anticipate when we wrote it. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's see what people do with that. I think this might be one that might make the podcast into like a five-hour one, so that we'll just not touch it. <laughs> Moving on. There's lots of combos with uh, potentially some of my favourite models as well, so I'm quite keen to get that. But yeah, I think it's going to be a nice one just to explore for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Great. Next card. Yeah, so Spoiled Rations uh, is an event. Play it in the starting phase. Until the end phase, enemy models gain Indomitable minus one to a minimum of zero, and it's a two-rice event. Yeah. So I like that the, the um, so spoiled rations in the name of the card. The the flavor text in this is poison what they have, and that's attributed to Kafeng the gardener, which is uh, intriguing. A little bit of text there. Who is Kafeng, and why is he gardening? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what what are we going to use this for, Craig? Yeah, I mean this this one does seem to be uh, leveling Bakumano up against the Minamoto and that seems to be kind of the the narrative here linking it to the garrison uh, garrison of the damned um, which Minamoto have a theme for um, and uh, yeah I think it's it's uh, very thematic and directed in that sense so that that actual theme uh, allows Minamoto Ashigaru models to get Indomitable plus one so uh, yeah it, it, it sort of takes away one of the Event uh, advantages of Bakumano to overwhelm their opposition, so this kind of level level sets that um, for for a turn. Um, nice. So yeah, so uh, I mean, Indomitable though does also uh, normally come on uh, split attack models that can potentially do a lot of damage to your horde. So it's a it's actually quite a good defensive card potentially as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could see it I could see it being used in a, in a few ways. Two rice certainly means you've got to have a kind of plan in mind for it. But yeah. uh you yeah. need to decide which turn to use it in as well. So you need to know Yeah. Good good timing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah interesting card. Useful. So next one, oh this is really exciting this card. And so let's start with the flavor tech. Well it's called Battle Hungry. Only a coward fears new scars. Tribute to Goro very nice so when the attached model uh let's so the requirement is only show so you're going to put it on an only show and it's two rice enhancement when the attached model places all its melee dice into attack during a melee exchange have any wounds taken by the attached model until the end of the melee exchange so that's exciting you can go yeah you know, all out attack do some damage and then um, even if you're going into like a reach or lightning reflexes model um What's the maximum damage they're going to do? Are they going to kill you back in one hit? Potentially not. 
so you can kind of afford to really go attack. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I mean, on the only show are fantastic like that. You often do figure out what is the maximum damage they can do to me. I afford to put all my dice in attack and kind of use your your number of wounds and ability to regain wounds through consume soul yeah. as as your defense. Uh, so you don't need defense dice in the same way other models do, which makes your normally free dice with brutal way scarier than than it would normally be. So uh, and it's kind of like. Minamoto style, just a scratch. Um, so it's very in keeping. Goro is actually a very good, um, very good kind of candidate for this as well. Uh, he's already got the extra armor and the tough. Um, mm. So uh, yeah, I'm d- delighted to see this card. Uh, I think the, the main conundrum is, uh, if I remember correctly, Wrath of the Red Sun was a Risen Sun card. So I think it's just deciding which. Uh, which cycle you want to go for and uh, you you can't kind of necessarily you can't have both at the same time um that's that's probably the main uh main decision point there yeah but it looks like there's some more only show coming out in the future too so you know lots of uh potentially a bright future for for only show and you know more interesting options there available. yeah yeah really excited to see what they look like yeah. hopefully they'll be out by the time this comes out yeah. i've <laughs> so, got them in my, on my painting queue so uh we'll uh we'll get them painted and get them on the table i think yeah well one's, one's been spoiled uh recently so yeah we'll yes see. oh yeah the, the fantastic rest of the anyway so moving on next faction uh we're going to ito next um craig and again you're an ito player so you'll have to give us a quick you know assessment of these uh jason was there anything you want to add on savage wave i appreciate no it. i think you, you got everything there that's um, i do i do like the last one um the only show three three melee and brutal is should be enough but um if you're putting it all into attack uh which is what a samurai does for example then um you have no defense and this just means that you pre- well, you're almost guaranteed to live yes with, uh, with an only show so it's uh it, it does make them a bit more scary uh, yeah. Which they should be. They sure should. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Great stuff. Yeah. Okay. So Ito, uh, first card, Messiah of the Serpent is an enhancement. Um, it's two rice and the required uh, Itsunagi. So it's a specific enhancement for Itsunagi. While this model has maximum key tokens, when it would mark wounds, it may instead remove one key token for each wound that would be inflicted. Once all key tokens have been used this way, any remaining word wounds are marked as normal. So, two rice. Yeah, it looks like basically massive ablative armor for Itsunagi, so he can go a little bit more ham without having to worry about defense. Is that right? Uh, functionally, yeah. Um, I, I think he's uh, received quite a lot of criticism of late, uh, partially because he can feel a bit fragile, especially if he's compared to Yatsumata, who is their other kind of uh, top-end fighter. And uh, I actually, it's a bit of a shame because I think he is far, a far more interesting model to play with. But I, I totally appreciate um, uh, that he uh, is, is only a five room, no armor uh, model. So if anything does sneak past, he's rather an impressive set of uh, melee um, uh, traits and, and stats. Then, then it can be a bit of a problem. Uh, so this, this kind of shores that up. Uh, it does mean that you have to manage your key carefully though you have to top him up uh two eight as 
fast as you can. Sure. Uh, with channel in E2, that shouldn't be a problem, but it does mean you have to probably think ahead how you're going to do that. And For no good reason, he starts with two key as well. So He does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's halfway there already. And uh, yeah, so you, it's it's normally okay to talk things up, but there is an opportunity. There's a bit of a cost involved there, obviously, uh, to get the right uh, support model. And then... Um, uh, yeah, just the timing of when do you use your key because he's got some pretty good key feats. When I was do you say, use the so? Key? If you want the armor, you're limiting his combat potential, aren't you? Uh, he's probably able to kill stuff without boosting and uh, even without the dokote. But uh, you is a bit is a factor in your decision making whether you want to uh, spend the key uh, or not. Um, but the great thing is, potentially, he's got, as you said, a massive amount of ablative armor, so he can just take a take a hit that previously you just wouldn't have been able to. It does make him a little bit more expensive as well. Uh, he's still, you know, he's already twenty five rice model, um, but that really does mean that he can um, he can he can he can you know run around uh, run across the battlefield uh, with confidence if he's got that full key stat to get into combat. Sure. And then he's certainly but, more more worrying to go up against because he's you yes know, you don't know what he's going to do he could tank yeah. you he could kill you it's, it's you know tricky so yeah. anyway yeah much more interesting uh, use of Yasmata uh, Yasmata it's an potentially exciting yeah. card for him there and uh, it, it does say it's an argue ascends as Oroshi's chosen uh, prophet so it does kind of tie in nicely to the background as well so yep. uh, another another notable one. Cool. So next card, uh, Takuya. I think that's how you pronounce it. Takuya's Will is an enhancement. It's one rice, and you can take three of these, which is important, I think, with this card. Mm-hmm. Um, the attached model gains Impetuous One. Uh, yeah. I, I think this is something Andy's been hinting at a little bit on the on the Discord, hasn't he? Like the full full Impetuous <laughs> Ito list. Yeah. Yeah, so I think you can you can definitely get quite a few impetuous models into uh, Ito right now, and this just it, it builds on that. Um, having the impetuous trait is important because then when you get to state, you become fearless while you've got an impetuous marker. So there's um, a good reason why you'd actually want to be impetuous because you are functionally fearless while you're impetuous. So. That's that's a big difference to just say getting an impetuous mar- uh, marker because someone plays a silver moon card on but, you. But also the, the the potentially non-obvious thing is that when everybody is impetuous, no one is right. That's um, the, that, that's the other thing. Yeah. So the more impetuous you have, potentially the less kind of impactful so the, it is. The downside of it, which can be pretty huge if it's just to, on one model. To your, to your model, to your order yeah. of play. Yeah. So. Um, Ito Kuburaya came out with um, Impetuous uh, 2 um, you already had Naoko uh, as well and uh, Akimoto um, uh, trying to think if there's any others uh, but that, there's, there's already a few out there and so the the more you the more you kind of uh, combine them uh, with this the as you said less kind of of a problem Impetuous will be uh, it's it definitely. I think it's just sort of probably taking a step back. More, more interesting thing. I think it's just taking Ito down a very different kind of path. Where like Ryu have all the past tokens, um, Ito kind of their faction identity. I think it's really kind of shaping up nicely by by putting the impetuous thing, and it kind of is a nice counterweight to give them a way to deal with fear without just giving them the obvious sort of bravery or courage. 
um, so making solving it in a very eto way. So uh, I, I I think it's really cool and will be one of those ones that will probably make you want to relook at your warband builds to see what you can kind of fit in and, and maybe a, a model that is fallen out of favor because it wasn't reliable enough against fear suddenly might become more viable now fascinating yeah anything to add on that jason that's a really exciting card i think yeah it's uh, uh, i also think it's interesting in the last cycle deck we put one of those in for bakamono uh, which did exactly the same thing but it was minus one rice because it's such a fascinating idea because it? it's slightly counterintuitive when you first see it um, until you yeah, understand the impact of activation order. Mm-hmm. Yes, very good. Anyway, so next card um, is uh, an enhancement called the Serpent's Kiss. Um, it, the required, it's required Kinu, so it has to go on Kinu. Um, and it gives the following key feat called Embrace the Coil. Oh, there's a lot to go through here so it's a uh, costs two um, it's a simple feat um, you have to target uh, with eight inch range and it's an opposed key test not in base to base okay uh, choose an itsu serpent model that is not currently in play summon and deploy the chosen itsu serpent model in base to base with the target model so you're summoning snakes amazing um, ignore the usual base to base restriction on deploying a model the target gains a state marker depending on the uh, serpent chosen um, uh, so the asp puts out poison two the boa gives out immobilized and the cobra gives out blind amazing so you're summoning a, summoning a snake in and putting the the state out on the target model. Uh, what, yeah. what do you have to say about this, guys? I, I think well, we we kind of been expecting a uh, a, a f- kind of fix or want of a better word uh, for Ito Kinyu. I actually quite like the way she operates with just one big key feat and a range attack. But I think people generally want her to do something else, and um, and this certainly is a really cool thing to be doing. So. Um, shooting out a snake effectively putting the state on someone and potentially uh either wasting activation for them to deal with that model uh or or or, you know you've later on it may even survive to the next turn and suddenly you've got another model to activate and so on it's it's a it's a very good feat and uh i think it combines very well with another um another card they've got in this this set it's certainly uh certainly kind of deals with any any well it should hopefully deal with any concerns people had in dealing with uh, or using kinyu uh, up to this point and how many it is three profiles on the card right so if you don't recruit any snakes into your warband you could spend essentially six key summoning three different they, they, snakes they, profiles they do tend to die quite quickly so it's yeah i mean you could you could try to summon each one in but i think they typically um you typically you do actually start with one just because it's normally a good uh, activation but yeah. uh yeah it, it, it i wouldn't expect them to last long once they've been summoned but it's nice that they that they could got yeah uh, jason anything to add on that uh only uh yeah it's it's this is obviously quite a big increase in power for the model and we costed it one rise just because we thought she needed a bit more to do but uh, it still follows the um the theme of the model which is being anti-hordes like she her other feat is about hitting a lot of models with a bit of poison and stun um this one helps even out the numbers because you're constantly putting extra models into play so if you're if you're playing a seven model ito band against bakamono for example um 
after three turns or after three casts of this, you're up to 10 models and it's it's a bit more even. So it, it, it kind of following the same idea for the model. Uh, but this is also considerably better if you just want to, you know, immobilize an Oni or something like that as well. Wow. Yeah. Didn't think of all that, did we, Craig? Maybe we did. <laughs> just time constraints. Time, time. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good card. I mean, um, I've, I think E-Token already put out things like blind markers, but in a faction that's kind of a bit light, just having that. Uh, from range, so just being able to kind of blind people from range, and you know, we'll put out any of these estates is 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 potentially going to be useful. So, yeah, I think just know which the right one to put out at the right time will will certainly help. Yeah. So I didn't mean to undermine. There's just the thought that gone gone into all of that stuff. Yeah, my mind is blown. <laughs> I love it. Um, anyway, so on to the next card. Um, Shrine to Orochi uh, is a train piece, uh, which is always nice to see. Um, it's 30 millimeters, impassable, blocking, small, destructible. Got to be deployed within three inches of the center line uh, and not within six of a table edge or a scenario zone. Um, it's considered to be a friendly Shisai model for unique effects for two rice. So, what are the effects we're going to see? Um, yeah, so generally, uh, Shisai get. Um, get plus one to their casting effectively. Willpower is the main one. I think they get resistance as well when when they're when there's more of them together. Um, that typically uh, leads you down certain list builds, which um, can can mean you're quite support heavy, and uh, and then you have to kind of like start buying, um, you know, someone to protect them and so on. So it it, it can skew things. Uh, this this functionally allows you to get the benefit without investing heavily in a in another uh in another support model um and they're, they're reasonably priced but it you know just allows you that flexibility that you could um you, you could utilize this now i think q did a good job of being a, a, a shisei who's not uh not uh opposed key test orientated he's uh he's, he's more of a kind of uh, melee model um, and this just gives you an ex another kind of um, way of solving that puzzle as to what the optimal kind of uh, level of, of power you need for your support. Um, it's a very big increase, I think, going from effectively a, a you know a coin flip when you have a two key model versus another two key model. I think it's about seventy percent chance to you know so it's probably a, a, a roughly about twenty percent extra likelihood of going off so it suddenly makes things you know not very reliable to reliable and if you get the maximum benefit um then then suddenly you're you become super reliable but you are you are investing a lot uh into that so yeah i i think it's a very good card that goes well with the previous card uh just mm. it makes the opposed key test more reliable yeah fantastic so and and it'd be uh interesting to see what people build for that if uh you know maybe somebody might release a, a, a GCT, you know, you've done a terrain pieces before. So always, uh, always uh, exciting to think about terrain coming out, although it probably never will. I happen to know Ben already has the sculpts for this because uh, it existed Ooh. last edition and we got rid of it. Uh, so he never had time to put it out for sale, but he does have a sculpt somewhere. Um, I think That's exciting. Uh, I think I've seen a couple of them around, so I know some people have managed to get some off him. <gasps> wow. Okay, well. That's, that's I probably just dropped him in it and he wasn't intending to release it or anything. 
We'll find out. We, we've got his number. We'll, uh, well, I, I know where he lives. <laughs> Great. Anyway, let's move on. So next faction, we, let's, let's move away from the Snakeys. Um, Silver Moon. Yeah, We're on I next. Um, so uh, we both play Silver Moon. Uh, Craig and I. Jason, you're a Silver Moon player? I've got roses at the moment, and I'm going to be getting Buto soon. Ah, so good. I'm playing all roses with a bit of jump. Ah, okay. Yeah, Craig, you've been trying roses as well, haven't you? So uh, I've not yep. dabbled in the roses yet, but uh, uh, yeah, I've been playing a little bit of Silver Moon currently on the painting table. So uh, right, first one, uh, Bronze Lion Tattoo, an enhancement. Uh, it's two rice. Uh, requirement Shatai. Um, the attached model gains leadership Shatai uh, one four inches, um, and once per game the attached model gets the key feat inspiration. So it's it's a key feat we already know. Um, two key, um, active, uh, target six inch range, uh, opposed key test. Uh, no, uh, once per turn. Sorry. Um, so yeah, it says once per game, but it's once per turn. It's it's the inspiration uh, just part. It's just once per once per game, but it's normally a uh, a, a once per. Um, I, I think normally you use it once per turn, but uh, this this one's kind yeah. of like a once so, one so. and done kind of. Yeah, thing. we left the once per turn in because that's just what inspiration has. It, it's wanna, the same as the normal key. We didn't want to put out a, a different feat with the same name. So uh, since it makes no difference because once per game means once per turn anyway. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Can't use it twice in a turn if it's once per game. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, so basically, you can only target friendly Shatai models with the feet, um, and it's yeah plus one melee or range pool for rice cost of less than the model it's attached to. Yeah. Um, so I, I looked this up just before the podcast to just look up who the Shatai options were, um, and you've got Wasapu, uh, Jum, and Honoko at eleven rice. You got Fagin, Kenmina, uh, Fagin at twelve rice, Kenmina at thirteen rice, and Kaida at twelve. Although Kenmina can't take it because it's no, a specific Silver Moon and she's wrong. Yeah, yeah. So Kaida at twelve rice, Fagin at twelve rice, and then Gichi at sixteen rice. I think yep. that's all of the Shatai. So uh, my first thought was you put it on Kaida as a support model, and you could be putting out plus one range to Wasapu. Is pretty. Yeah, I, I actually think Useful. what you play this card for is mostly for the leadership. And um, I, the exciting thing, I think, anyway, about this card, this is how I'm probably going to use it, is I think it makes the Iron Fist Gummy more interesting. And at the moment, the the um, the Travelling Show seems to kind of grab everyone's attention. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, the Iron Fist Gummy actually comes with bravery. So uh, the leadership is compounded by that we wish i to get bravery and leadership suddenly they become fairly reliable at passing fear test and mm. uh that for me is where the the value really is and it may then be that you want more of a frontline fighter i mean certainly the inspiration is good um and given it's only one suits you probably just want to be mindful of kind of who uses that um but that would mean that you would not have um wasupu in that list uh because it's it's you're not allowed the range um but i think that's fine i think there's other good candidates for uh, for the inspiration, uh, Jum, for example, would be uh, would be yeah. fine. It's just it just depends who you or even Gichi. Actually, no, Gichi. I don't think that's going to work. There's no option to use it. Yeah, no. there's no option there. But uh, there's and plenty Jum, of other Jum good... was my certainly my second thought. Yeah, yeah. that he would be a useful. Pl- plenty of other good good ones would most of the name. Um, 
the name Yokohans, uh, the one with combo attack, I think he uh, could be quite good as well. Uh, but it's just yep. getting the right because it can't go on a um, uh, well, check. I think this one can't go on a rose. Um, no, no, uh, no, it can't go on roses. No. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just kind of figuring out the right model to put it on and. Um, yeah, but I think the leadership is what you mostly play for for this card. Mm. Good assessment. Okay, Jason, anything to add there? Uh, no, uh, it, just that this is sort of a um, to help those people who wanted to play their Yakuza faction as more of a sort of street gang Yakuza people, just the Shatai, um, and not necessarily needing Buto or Roses or any of the the more specialist um, people. Just they they wanted some uh, some gangsters. And this helps a lot with that. Yeah, yeah, looks like it does. Yeah, and uh, certainly I'm just starting to starting to play with Silver Moon. So yeah, all of these cards are really interesting. Um, okay, next card. Uh, Underhanded play is an event. Um, it's two rice, and you can take a maximum of two. Um, play after an enemy model succeeds at a challenge test. That model must retake that test. Oof, that's that's <laughs> going to be fierce, isn't it? So. Um... This is exciting for, um, I think, for Rose players. So um, I think it's it's a sort of thing where um, uh, I, I believe a disguise test would be captured under this. Um, so if I got that right, anyway, the your your disguise suddenly becomes far more reliable, and it's a bit big to go want to push for it. Uh, and I Excellent. Think the, uh, the the flavor text kind of. Re- uh, points in that direction as well. Yes, the flavor text is great. The magistrate refused. Sent his daughter a gift. Hanami. Yeah, wonderful. So dark. <laughs> um, good. Yeah, Craig. Uh, well, both both of you are uh, roses players, right? So that must be uh, an exciting development for you. There. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's great for disguise. It's also um, there's uh, if you, if you're playing. Uh, traveling show, then the the theme benefit is a challenge test. I think um, for impetuous. Yes, uh, yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, with it being an event, you can just wait until you know an important one gets passed, and you're like, oh, you know, I kind of need that. Try again. <laughs> it's so yeah. silver moon, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Passed. yeah no, you haven't. Uh, <laughs> what we found though is it balances out quite well because obviously it's eating into your cards that are going to do similar things anyway. So. You know, if you if you take one of these and you use it on that theme benefit, then you're not taking the card that just makes someone impetuous. Yeah. So uh, it's it balances out quite well. You do get to uh, emphasize some areas, but you're going to lose out in the the breadth of things that you can do. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is a traveling show is a key chant test, and also I checked the uh, Jade Rose Gummy. Also, their kind of distraction would be a similar similar one. So yeah, so lots of lots of good uses for for that so it is um it's good because i always felt the roses just need that little bit more reliability to really make them um good on the table so this this will be really interesting to see if that if that's kind of uh what the card gives but just the opposition will just be uh your opposition i think will just uh, every time they have to make a uh, disguise test be dreading it because uh, it was kind I'm of... sure I will, Craig. Yes, I'm sure I will. <laughs> it was anyway, kind of bad enough it was 50-50. <laughs> moving on to the next. So I don't have roses yeah. yet, but I do have some Buto. So this next card is very exciting. Yep. So Od- Oda's Tutelage uh, is an enhancement. Requirement Buto. One rice. Attach model gains melee weapon 
Uh, attached models, melee weapons, gain, grapple defense zero. Oh, so joyous. Grapple defense. Um, so we know, yeah, if, if your defense is successful, the attacker becomes held, uh, which is which is great. Um, and grapple defense, yeah, just just makes makes your buto really wonderfully um, tanky and um, able to, to hold up models beautifully. So who would you put this on? Great. Uh, Jason, you said you're about to get Buto. Are you, have you planned a list out yet? I haven't, no. Um, the, this went on uh, Grapple Defence, if, if you don't know, uh, people listening, is new. Uh, it was put on when we read the rulebook. So it didn't exist until um, the start of this year when we did the new two-player starter box, or maybe end of last year. Um, and as soon it's like as... the kind of it's come from like Jeet Kune Do, like you know, it's a, we've got all of these ancient martial arts, and now we've got this new technique that's that's built upon them all. I'm going yeah. a bit of a martial arts <laughs> tangent now, aren't I? But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We 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 went to play around with a few of the um, special attacks and defenses. So it's when we made all the throws and slams a fixed distance rather than roll for a distance. Yeah, um, and we also added uh, grapple defense and made force back attack do damage and, and a few other things. Uh, but as soon as we put grapple defense in, somebody convinced me that it was a, a viable thing to exist. Um, I uh, immediately said, well, the, the first people who need it are our pro wrestlers. So I wrote this card for the Butoh. And uh, yeah, it's um, the, the Butoh are all about special attacks and defenses. They can throw you, they can slam you, they can do everything. Uh, but I think just the idea of somebody running into them and then uh, a massive sumo guy just puts you in a headlock or something like that <laughs> is uh, is great. Um, and we made it really cheap because it's not really adding more power to the card, but it's more options. Yeah. So um, I think that's going to really encourage people to use it. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know who's going to use it, but uh, obviously uh, the uh, it's orders tutelage. Um, so... Um, uh, if you bring order, he's obviously going to increase your buto anyway. Uh, so I think order and Tatalu might get this because it also is going to mean that he can be a setup model rather than using order as a uh, as a straight combat model because you don't want to game order damaged too early. On. Although order and Tatalu as a straight combat model with with the virtues and the the powerful attack zero, uh, we've we've both experimented with that, haven't we, Craig? And it's it's, it's... It's very powerful. Um, so I don't know uh, if I'd put it on him because, yeah, would it would it be wasted? Use another Buto to hold people up and then beat them up with Totalu maybe. Anyway, it's, it's, fascinating it's, card. It's another option, as, as, as Jason said. And I, I think um, uh, it being warm rice doesn't mean that it's a chance that you could get it into um, Yokozuna's Revenge if you go for mm. Totalu over Melosi. Uh, so that might as well be uh, a place you see it coming up. Uh, it's 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 interesting enough to make me want to get my buto back out, especially with the. Um, uh, Let's have a buto off. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's looking good, and um, I'd be quite interested to see kind of just how useful that is because I think buto do a great deal of debuffing already, so uh, this certainly plays into their style of play, unsurprisingly. So the next card is. Lookout, uh, so it's an enhancement, and uh, other friendly models win six. The attached model not be surprised. One rise of arm and urchin max four. Um, I think this one's already been uh previewed in Discord, and uh, yeah, I mean, again, as a 
uh, Silver Moon slash Rose player, I certainly say like often getting surprised is, uh, is is sort of the first thing that happens before Rose kind of gets taken out. <laughs> so I think this is um, actually going to be quite useful, particularly uh, in in scenarios where you can kind of predict roughly where the battle the fight's going to happen and, uh, and make sure that you're set up accordingly. Um, and against flank heavy factions, of course, as well. Uh, this is a, this is a nice, uh, nice, nice card to have. Um, and it also works quite well with Hanmei's um, key feet, just because you can't get around it by surprising her. So there's um, a lot of good value I can see in this card for for its very cheap card. It's whether you want the uh, the urchin, uh, which isn't too much of a problem. So uh, yeah, I think uh, it's just kind of. Makes you want to revisit some of your some of your established list and maybe play around with what's in there. Yeah, this this one came from uh, from Discord actually. We were having a, a long conversation on Discord about uh, roses in particular, I think. And somebody basically pointed out that they none of them really have any defense against getting surprised, and they often have to go deep into enemy territory using their disguise. Um, so it's quite easy to surprise them, and if you do. They don't get to use their feet. They can't boost. They're not. They're not great in melee, and that's that's really an easy way to lose them. And there's no sort of play around for it because you have to play them that way. You have to send them deep into enemy territory to to get to those backline scenarios or to contest the backline zone whilst they're disguised or whatever it is. Um, so uh, yeah, we put this in the idea of having the uh, the, the kids look out. Um, while the adults are actually doing the crimes, um, and uh, this—I mean—I think if you take one urchin and buy this in a, a rolls list, you can probably cover a decent amount of the uh, the board with that six-inch bubble. Yeah. Um, so I think this again should be a really a really good benefit for for rolls players. Yeah, and you can take what four of them, right? So. Uh, potentially got a massive overlapping bubble. Yeah, there's, uh, there's only two urchins <laughs> so far, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, interestingly, F- Fagin has uh, command urchin four as well, so maybe that means something. Maybe it does. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, that's that's it for the Silver Moon cards. So, should we move on a faction step? Uh, we've got Dissension next. Who here plays Dissension? Any of us? So interestingly, I only play the tribesmen at the moment. Ah, well, that's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, that's not. <laughs> <I wonder> why? <laughs> so, that, well, you can, you can. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ignore Craig entirely, and you can just tell us all about these cards. Shall I, shall I read them out though? Um, so the first one is a new theme, fantastically called Hunter Gatherers. Uh, once per game in the starting phase, friendly models gain. Uh, in quotes, while this model has no marked wound boxes, they gain strong, um, and this effect, effect lasts until the end phase. <clears throat> uh, when a friendly model kills um, an enemy model, enemy non-soulless model in a melee exchange, that friendly model may gain key tokens equal to the enemy model's key statistic. And friendly tribesmen models do not suffer the melee or range penalty for having moved or run or the range penalty for the target having run that turn. And in this theme is permitted tribesmen, and the exclusion is cliff and plainsmen. So, Jason, right, dissect this for us, please. Uh, so one of the one of the funniest things about this is um, 
your first turn, you run all your tribesmen forward. Tribesmen get quite cheap. Some of them are only like eight. So you usually outnumber your opponent and you can run forward as fast as you want, knowing that you're not going to get the run penalty. Um, a lot of the things that would stop you running, like um, dog missiles or just them getting to you, you're thinking, well, my tribesmen are decent in melee. They've got tough, they've got armor. Uh, I don't really care. They're not going to kill me. And I can probably... Uh, counter-strike them just as well because I can run and then melee. Uh, so that run penalty is really good. Um, the other half of that is that you ignore your opponents having run penalty. So if they want to try and get the same board advantage that you have by running twice, they're going to have to run, but you don't care. You can still throw javelins at them. Um, and uh, the once-per-game strong ability uh, is just strong, so that affects your range as well. So I had a lot of fun throwing strong javelins and um, Canute's axes, which are brutal and have strong. Um, and people just don't expect a tribesman thing where everybody's just carrying huge axes to have decent ranged. Yeah. Uh, but then, of course, once you get into melee, they're still strong in melee as well. Um, yeah. and... I noticed this the other day when I was playing a gunpowder jung list, and the cannon guy has strong on his profile. And I, kind of, I, you know, Craig had to remind me that actually that applied to the cannon as well. I thought it was just him swinging it, but no, the cannonball got, gets it too with his ranged attack. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, cannon's just massively out of order. It does everything. <laughs> <laughs> it is great. It's great fun to use. Anyway, so sorry. Back to hunter gatherers. Yeah. So uh, yeah, then the only other downside that you have playing tribesmen is that most of them are one key um, and you don't get the uh, owl tengu to channel around for you so uh, being able to just kill things and get key from it is also really good um, I've had quite a few especially with Canute because Canute's um, uh, he, he's like armor one tough two so he doesn't take the damage so he keeps the strong for most of the turn that he's got it usually people make an effort to take it off him but his two activations are usually devastating for whatever he wants to hit. Um, and uh, yeah, again, the, the javelins, uh, I had all three javelin people last time I played, and they can have brutal on the javelins, uh, usually for the second shot. And uh, brutal and strong on thrown javelins is really oh, good. It does really yeah. a huge amount of damage. Um, and I'm hoping that this will, uh, will bring you some more life into the uh, uh, the full tribesman idea, which we've yeah. not seen for a while. Unless you do like I did the other day with my Kaizuku, Kaizoku Jung Black Powder list, you play into a, a heavy durable uh, cult list that uh, kind of undermines your durable, your um, your strong and your uh, brutal for that turn. But hey, there's a there's counters to everything, isn't there? Just in case these these lists do sound, you know, like particularly like oof, yeah, brutal and stuff at range. That's you know, but there are there are counts to these things. Anyway, uh, so question: the exclusion cliff and plainsman are there profiles? Current is that current profiles? Uh, plainsman is um, Batu uh, Batu in the Brotherhood box. Yep, mm -hmm. uh, he's All a plainsman. Right. So the the idea is the the tribesmen of the hill tribe. Yeah. So uh, the Plainsmen of the Plains tribe, which is possibly in the mainland, not on the Jawar Isles, um, but a few of them have journeyed over. And I don't think we've seen the Cliff tribe yet, but that can't be far off. Now, is that a Christmas thing? Uh, Do you see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> Cliff Number Christmas one at Christmas, thing. yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm really <laughs> sorry. Let's move on as quickly as we can. Yeah. Um, 
Sacred Hunt is an event. Um, play in the starting phase until the end phase. Friendly tribesmen models gain the Vengeance animal trait and their ranged weapons gain bleed 1-1 one, one when targeting an animal model. If a non-insignificant enemy animal model is killed, friendly tribesmen models gain tough plus 1 until the end phase. Two rice. So, yeah, Jason, what's this doing for you? Uh, uh, so the, the flippant answer is it's killing silverbacks. Uh, <laughs> as, uh, as, as you should, really. We'll uh, yeah. or, or possibly uh, Cowan or Rogin. Um, we, we have put a few things in here. Um, we, had, we had several ideas that, that didn't get in as well, but we put a good few cards in here that specifically target animals because uh, we, we cost animals very low due to the aloof trait. Uh, but some of them may be a bit too low. So as, a, as a, a little bit of a sort of a meta fix rather than a, a specific model fix. A very uh, thematic meta fix as well, isn't it? You want your cavemen to be hunting your mammals. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and it's it's not like it's going to be on every uh, every one of the, the macaques or the weasels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, it's got to be a non-insignificant uh, animal that you kill to get the tough. So you, you do have to kill like a tiger or... Uh, <laughs> Uh, a silverback or a, a massive buffalo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I, like you say, it's just thematic for the uh, the tribesmen to go hunting. The um, the javelin people are, are literally just called the hunters. So um, wonderful. Yeah, I've, I'm, 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 I'm just thinking of you know, like Harryhausen movies with you know tribesmen <laughs> and yeah, big mammoths. Sorry, I, I did. You won't, you won't have seen the action I did on the podcast, but I was doing my hands going like a mammoth trunk. The boys on the podcast saw it. It was great. Anyway, moving on. Um, the next card is Warren, Wardens of the Eries is an event. Um, uh, play in the starting phase until the end phase. Reduce the cost of friendly Haitaki uh, models. Special attacks and defenses to zero. Uh, it's a two rice event. So first of all, did I pronounce Hayataki right? And what I, are those models? I say Hayataki. They are. It's like they're basically the medium-based um, Tengu that are not the eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of them are more defensive in nature. We've got the Hayataki guard and Itsubo, uh, who is now Itsube uh, after she got reincarnated. Um, uh, oh, so that little nugget. Where's that written about? I want to read uh, that. That should be on uh, it's suppose uh, on, on a card on the on the uh, store page. Oh, on the, yeah, should be on there or on the wiki. I'll go and read that. Um, so uh, the, the, they are um, the, the high attack is supposed to be the like the soldiers, the warriors, they they well, the, the bushi as as we call them, um, and uh, yeah, this just gives them a little bit of a bonus for one turn. Um, uh, and again, it's it's uh, an entire sort of class of models that doesn't see much play. People are playing sparrows, or they're playing big tengu, um, or a mix, and then we're not seeing a lot of the middle ones. So hopefully, this might just encourage somebody to to break them out and, and see what they can do. Because yeah. defensive line ability is really good, if nothing else. But a lot of people, if they take any, are taking just the one, which is a shame. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's certainly a, an ability that I looked at and thought, oh, that's that's thematic and looks cool to you. So yeah, anything that encourages that is good in my book. Fab, uh, next card, and I think the final Descension card is a uh, Final Flight, which I always read as Final Fight, and I start thinking about 80s, 90s arcade games. 90s, I think, wasn't it? 
it doesn't matter. <laughs> this is an enhancement. Um, attached model loses cloud walk and cannot gain it. When the attached model gains or spends a virtue token, it gains one key token. When the attached model is killed, distribute its remaining key tokens among friendly non-kaku models. I hope I pronounced that right. It's one rice, and uh, the requirement is Tengu with Cloudwalk. So you're losing mobility. You're able to pump yourself up with key, and then what you explode, and all your key is distributed out. What's a non-kaku model? So what is a kaku model, Jason? Kaku are the flightless Tengu, so uh, Haxabo, um, right. and the, 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 the cranes, and the, the other flightless bird types. Uh, okay. and we, we, we've never uh, really explained it, but for some reason, uh, those those birds have angered the Kami, and they're sort of outcasts in Tengu society. So a lot of these kind of things uh, that, that sort of share in the ceremonies and uh, prayers and things don't involve them. They're, they're not allowed to join in. Got you. Okay. So with, with, is there an obvious model that this would go on, or is it kind of a generic... Lots of options where you would put this enhancement. Uh, I think there are a lot of options because you can either put it on somebody who you don't really want to die, but might have a lot of key tokens when they do. So I'm I'm thinking um, uh, the one who gets carried about by people. Nagabu. Yeah. Nagabu or something, isn't it? Nagabu, I think. Yeah. So like. He's going to be uh, channeling and leeching a lot all the time. So every so often, he, he, he does a lot of um, focus as well. Uh, so every so often, he ends up on a lot of key. And if somebody kills him whilst he's between channeling to people and you lose like 10 key on him, that's, that's a huge amount. So it might be good as a bit of a backup for that. And he also does the virtue tokens. So uh, you can certainly control him getting more key for, uh, for gaining and spending virtue tokens. Uh, or the other option is to put it on something super cheap, um, uh, just as it accumulates key tokens, use it for something that you need doing, like running forward, getting the first idol, knowing that it's going to die, but then you're going to get that key back at least. Yeah. So it sounds uh, like, yeah, lots of, lots of different options to use this on, which is always a good good thing for a card, right? Sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, that, uh, this is also, it's it, uh, more than we thought. We, we didn't really think about who was going to use it or what it was going to do. We thought about the background behind it because um, uh, the Tengu measure their lives by whether they can fly or not. So once they can't fly anymore, uh, that's the end of their lives. And that's when they, uh, they sort of jump off the uh, Takawa's talent and uh, end their current incarnation. Oh, wow. I didn't know that, but that's cool. So, yeah, the uh, the little um, the bit of flavor text, uh, Takawa's talon beckons those Tengu who can no longer soar the skies. The loss of their wisdom is mourned, but their rebirth is eagerly anticipated. Wonderful. Great. So that's the end of the dissension cards. Unless there's anything else. Craig, you haven't said anything about these. Anything you want to add? Uh, not, not, uh, no, nothing, nothing huge. I guess uh, just... Obviously, it's good to see that the uh, the the tribesmen are getting some attention because it felt like they were a theme waiting to happen for some time. Um, and yeah, I'd agree. Like the Hitaki Guard, kind of they they're sitting in a bit of a strange space at the moment, and they have got a lot of special um, specials that cost one. So that's quite a good card for them. 
Um, and I'm equally intrigued by Final Flight. Kind of, it looks like a good card to play just for the extra uh, key it might give you, but it, the the extra safety guard safeguard it's got there with uh, you know redistributing key could be really interesting as well. So quite keen to see what people make of that. Um, so yeah, that's, it, it certainly looks interesting. Cool. So now we are moving on to a very exciting faction, uh, Jung. Do we? So who plays Jung? I know I do. I know Craig does. Jason? Uh, I, I do have all of Jung, but I haven't managed to play any of them yet. I'm um, I'm putting together a, a shooty Jung with a cannon and some rifles and things. Nice. Nice. That was literally the last game I played. Um, was trying that stuff out. So I'm quite excited about some of these cards, I have to say. Let's go. So the first one um, is an enhancement called Irreverence. Um, it's two rice. Uh, the requirement is a warband without Kami or Shujenja or Jung Marie, um, and it can't go in Queen of the Waves theme. So it's very anti Marie in her theme, because um, she's all kind of magic y see stuff, right? Um, anyway, so Kami selecting selecting or targeting the attached model must first succeed at a key challenge test of five. If they fail, their action is considered resolved, and the Kami loses an activation counter. So it's specifically anti Kami tech. Um, I like it um, for two rice. What What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I, again, this is another one. More than anything, it was, it was supposed to show off some background stuff. So the quotes from uh, Minato. Oh yeah, please um, go ahead. And as, as you said, uh, Jung Marie is very much. Uh, she has the favour of the wind, Kami, and the sea, Kami, and wherever she goes in her boat, the wind's always blowing in the right direction, and the sea's always calm. Uh, whereas Minato, he doesn't care about the kami. And, uh, the quote is, devotion to the kami, w- what about the gold? <laughs> so, his, his, uh, his main thing is, is definitely pirating and taking gold off people. Mm. Uh, so hitting people with his anchor, let's be fair. He, yeah, yeah, he loves that as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously his, um, his extreme aversion to kami has, has, has meant that sometimes kami just don't want to go near him because he's... He's sort of uh, that anti-Kami that he he, uh, he exudes an aura of um, of irreverence. So, mm-hmm. so it's it's not uh, it's not a card that has to go on Minato, uh, but it could go on him, right? Um, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it doesn't have to go on him. He's just the 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 person we had in mind when we wrote it. Sure, and I was thinking maybe you know you put it on one of your cheap Kaizoku um, and and use them basically as a kind of anti-Kami deterrence kind of missile, really. Um, stick him in a place and almost deny the Kami, you know, uh, board control uh, might be a useful thing. Because you're making them test, what, are they rolling one dice, needing a five? Is that the test they need to make, most Kami? Most Kami, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's uh, all Kami, not just a minor Kami either, it's all Kami. Right? Yeah, um, one, one of the things it's really good for is the fire Kami, because if you do put it on a, a little Kaizoku, but stand him in the way when the fire cami tries to shoot. You say, "I'm going to redirect to this guy because it passes through his zone of control." They then have to make the key chest, the key challenge test. So, yeah. you know, that's um, that can protect more than one model with it against that range attack. Yeah, and I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, yeah, I, I was all I was considering it as a useful kind of you know maybe you know all comers kind of build card. Um, so yeah great okay moving on certainly something that might see play um 
next card well, again. Also, for our Joe Ran, maybe with. Uh, oh no, she can't have it because it's, it's Mary. Ah, to say, there might be a good bodyguard use, but no. Yeah, it is good with bodyguard, but you have to find somebody <laughs> with bodyguard that's not for Marie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway. On, on, on with <laughs> uh, Drunk uh, is the next card, which is uh, a, a very. Um, I like the sound of this one. Um, suits me. Um, the attached model gains immune, stunned, and unstable. Uh, while the attached model has no marked wound boxes, it gains fearless and dodge one. <clears throat> it's one rice. Um, it has to go in a Kaizoku, uh, but you can take three of them. I like the quote, why is the Saki gone, uh, Yuri? Um, so yeah, you, you can stick it on three of your Kaizoku. So you're gaining um, immune to stunned and unstable, but I think not all of your Kaizoku, but certainly some of them have uh, light-footed. So unstable would basically cancel that out. Otherwise unstable is yeah, slowing you down through terrain. So it does make you think a little bit more about terrain placement um, when you're playing a Kaizoku heavy list. But I think it's really nice. You know, Gaining fearless and dodge one is incredibly useful for your Kaizoku. I would certainly consider taking three of this card. Yeah, I think it's pretty think? good. Um, immune stun seems to be the general kind of inebriated uh, rule. I think Drunken Hiroto mm-hmm. uh, has got that. Unstable, as you said, some of them got uh, uh, light food, which uh, I think yeah. kind of counteracts that um, to an extent that they do obviously have a bit of a, uh, they lose something there. Uh, Jury's got it anyway, so you could just give it to him. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Um, uh, but I think mostly you're playing for that fearless. Dodge is nice, but the fearless is uh, is is really really good for your uh, otherwise low low key stat. Well, I think that the, the dodge is just it just helps you to maintain the fears for longer. It certainly right? is. Yeah, I mean if you're going into skeletons and things like that, fearless and dodge uh, will will definitely make that combat a lot better. Uh, especially for models like Musa, uh, who you know we're we're still kind of getting used to. It's got. Uh, great output um but potentially might suffer from that key one stat if the enemy does have fear so yeah i could see some really good uses for that card it's nice that you can have three of them yeah totally jason anything to add uh, no I, it's, I like it because it's uh, the, the name is drunk exclamation mark um, <laughs> so it's not just drunk it's drunk <laughs> it should have it should have three exclamation marks, should yeah. it? Really? Yeah. And and maybe a question mark at the end too. You know, I think that would drive Andy <laughs> mad, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, love it. I, and Andy must be a fan of that card. Sure, I think that was an Andy card, uh, or yeah, a part of it was at least. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, I think uh we've we've put other things in uh Jung like uh, Marie's got leadership, we've put some bravery in there. But mm-hmm. um Having just a, a bit of access to fearless, even with a downside, uh, it, it just means that you've got uh, a bit of guaranteed. Uh, you're not going to lose that action when you, when you want to go in. So yeah, I, I, uh, I think that's going to help a lot. Yeah, I, I love the flexibility of different jung builds and like you know anything that you know gives a little help to the maybe slightly more niche builds. Just, I love it. Great. Anyway, next card uh, is a terrain. So there's two terrain. Uh, pieces we're going to talk about for junk. Uh, one is Razor Shoals, the first one. So, and and these, these are will these will be double sided cards, right, Jason? So the, the Razor Shoals are double sided card. The other one is you're going to have to make a uh, a wax uh, dash. Yeah, but there is another card in the deck we haven't got to yet. Yeah, it's a rolling card. Yeah. yeah, cool. Anyway, so Razor Shoals. Um, so it's the the size of card terrain piece, normal, clear, zero height, 
Um, when a non-Cloudwalk, non-intangible enemy model makes a walk, run or charge action, starting or entering this terrain element, that model gains a bleed one marker and it's two rice. Um, so, uh, yeah, nice a nice little blocker that you, you can stick down. And obviously bleed is nice with Jung because of the sharks, if you can put it out. Uh, who's got anything to say on this one? Craig? Yeah, um, uh, it's it's very good. Uh, I think just because uh, you can get it to the you know the right place on the battlefield, it's a problematic area for them to for your position to, to to navigate. Worth noting, it's not destructible, right? Yeah, about to say that's mm. very difficult for them to then do much about it. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great if you can get it right in, in the right place in the, in the right zone or whatever that you expect people to uh to, to actually you know trigger uh bleed as you said is good in junk because it triggers the sharks and uh, it's just a good state to generally be able to put out um it's another one of those interesting ones actually to our conversation earlier i think it puts bleed out on models that don't normally suffer bleed so uh i guess it would interact like toughness with toughness as usual but it can potentially um it could potentially interact with models that don't normally suffer from bleed like soulless i think so that's quite interesting as well. Mm. well i'm sure that'll be one for lots of discussion on discord right when it comes up potentially that card anyway yes lovely you know, one other thing i'll mention about it is uh note that it's normal and clear um only enemy models take the the bleed so you could just walk across it as normal uh yeah. with your own models or float They're across it maybe yeah, they're obviously used to swimming through razor shoals. <laughs> They've got little dinghies, inflatables. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, easily split on the razor shoals, I'm sure. Anyway, right. So next, right. Sorry, anything else to say on that before we go on to the weapons cache, 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 weapons cache? Uh, well, this is an English. Well, it's not an English, French word. I'm not sure. Cache. Hmm. Cache. Right. Uh, Thirty millimeter impassable blocking small terrain piece. It is destructible very interesting one this uh, so during deployment you put three loot tokens on the terrain piece um, or on the card um, that a model in base to base with the terrain element at the end of its activation can choose one of the following remove a loot token to add an ammo token to that model or remove a loot token from the card to remove a reload marker on that model or remove a loot token to attach a permitted enhancement equipment card to the model that costs one rice or less or fewer. Um, you've got to put it within six inches of the center line and not within three inches of the board edge, uh, which is unfortunate because you know the certain jug models like Taiho with his cannon, if he could start right next to it, it would be a no-brainer that you could. Uh, give him uh, you know um, more cannon shots more quickly. Uh, so anyway, it's two rice. Um, We've talked about this a little bit, Craig, uh, about you know maybe it being more efficacious for pistols potentially than cannons. Maybe Jason, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, obviously, if you have a cannon, then you love this. Um, cannons only have two ammo, so just having a third shot possible is a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but you do have to get there. So um, the yeah, it's reload two as well, so this will help you with that. Uh, other thing to notice is that you don't have to be friendly or jung to use it. If the enemy gets to it first, they can get extra ammo tokens or remove reloads or get cards. Because um, it is just buried treasure, so anybody can dig it up. Excellent. 
yeah, a very thematic card, no doubt. And I'm certainly looking forward to building my weapons cache, so I'm sure we'll see it on the table at some point. Um, yeah, I, I should say as well, this um, this is I think this is the first one we've actually managed to do, but this was a uh, a winner of the terrain competition that we did last year, I think. Oh. Uh, and the winner got to design their own terrain card. Um, so the uh, uh, we, we had a lot of... It's still on the, the website, the GCT website. You can go back and look for that. But the winner got to design a card, and this is what they chose. Oh, great. Okay, that's cool. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed watching Gav um, kind of figure out on the table where his models would need to be to optimise this card and kind of the sequencing and... Uh, whether synergies with some other cars would make sense and such, and uh, which models would get the most value out of it. So, uh, yeah, it'd be fun to see what actually works in practice with this one. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And, and Jason, I think, you know, nail on the head is like getting three shots at the, out of the cannon is potentially devastating, but it's going to be very difficult to, to to get three shots because if your opponent knows how devastating it is, they'll be closing down your cannon. And you, you've done pretty well. You've got three shots out of it, yeah. yeah. But it makes <laughs> makes for some very interesting puzzles in terms mm. of what you can squeeze. And and pistol, like I say, pistols, particularly with someone like Yuji, who's got a special ability to fire his pistol more often. I think that's something worth looking at. Anyway, so that's that's it for the junk cards. I think. Uh, what are we looking at next? KKZ, the ninjas. Yep, that's right. So oh, that's one's very straightforward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think we've all dabbled a little bit in ninjas at least, haven't we? So anyway, the first card, uh, Shinigami's Jew. Is that the right pronunciation, Jason? Yeah, I think so. Uh, again, we you can see the she at the start. That's um, uh, death again, and it's a, uh, basically god of death. Right. Ah. So yeah. What's so Shinigami's Jew? That's that's D U E. Uh, so what's due to the god of death, right? So an event, um, play in the starting phase, models may not heal this turn. Uh, it's a two rice cost event. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, pretty pretty simple in terms of its usage for, for the ninja. Anything to discuss there, guys? Uh, it's uh, it's going to be really good in those uh, ninja lists that can sort of semi-list tailor because it's amazing against some lists uh, like you were saying there's a lot of options for healing in temple for example uh, either with uh, Ico in monks or the array of healing people in uh, in peasants Definitely. Um, similar with Oni uh, Oni like to heal after they kill things uh, yeah. so if you think you're going to lose an injury in a turn then you could play this mm. um, the, yeah. uh, uh, there's, there's other things that have healing if you know about them then this is a really good counter card for that um, and again the, uh, the the flavor text uh, references the two player starter box if anybody's put that together after a lot of their promising recruits they have to make amends to the cami of death um, that wow. references uh, the uh, uh, the daughter in uh, in the two player starter box mm-hmm. who's uh, who was kidnapped by the ninjas and then uh, rescued uh, by bizarrely the uh, the Bakemono, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, Kiyozumi Kicho. I forgot a name for a second, but um, so yeah, the, the ninjas basically lost um, somebody who could have been the next ghost, and they have mm-hmm. to make amends for that now. So yeah, and the text is yeah. After the loss of their promising recruits, the Shadow Wind has to make amends to the gods of death. Wonderful. Um, so yeah, and, and absolutely, like you say, yeah, playing monks temple, yeah, going into 
a card that stops you healing. That's that's absolutely game changing potentially. So yeah, uh, I was about nice to say the only the thing one thing I said to that is that um, regeneration is a, it, it it actually is a heal, um, and so if you things you get things like Rincho and things like that, which have really good regeneration, uh, that's another matchup that that could be quite good on. Uh, so it's probably worth having the search on the keyword heal. See what. Yeah, this always happens with ninjas. When I when I write ninja cards, I write other cards which are not thematic for ninjas. They always end up being really good for ninjas. Uh, this one's about uh, obviously about ninjas who like to kill living people. Uh, it's really good into Utah. Uh, you yeah. can kill skeletons with this. <laughs> but I say, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, the the Utah wishes obviously they they can heal through uh, their bolts, but the, the skeletons are based around uh, that regeneration. So uh, yeah. yeah, if you've ever wanted two turns to kill a skeleton, this is how you do it. <laughs> yes yeah and uh, yeah you're not short on combo attack now so uh, yeah <laughs> mm, right. see what you so, did there <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway next card um umbral assassin now this is a really interesting one so the requirement is assassination missing uh, missing mission assassination mission um it's a three rice event play any time except when a model is activating choose a friendly ninja model that ninja targets an enemy model within six inches resolve a melee exchange between the ninja and the target model ignoring requirements being base to base that ninja model has the initiative don't move the models or turn them to face each other neither model is surprised uh, you can't use special abilities for the duration of the exchange so it's like um, anyone who's played 40k it's like executioner that the eldar farseers used to have right that's exactly where I got this from. Yeah, uh, love it. Yeah, um, you, you fight a, a melee exchange even while you're not in melee. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's also being assassination mission. Uh, it's one of the lesser used ones, so I thought I'd put something at least... I don't know how useful this is going to be, but it's going to be cool. Um, and it's going to let you get to models that won't expect to get um, attacked that turn. So uh, yeah. hopefully it'll, it'll be a bit of a bump for the assassination mission theme. Right. Yeah, I, I like that about it. That it's making a bit like what you said. Some of the other themes are kind of potentially going to come more into favour now. It just gives it a, a, a new lead to life, another reason for you to want to go back to it and uh, and give it a go. Because I think the, the, the I think you've mentioned before, like ninja players have kind of figured out which theme is sort of generally generally the best, and uh, and and actually kind of shaking that up with different ninjas, but also different uh, different things like this is a great way to to keep that kind of puzzle going. And this is definitely one of those cards that maybe the actual efficacy of it in use is less effective than the threat of having it. Um, yeah, it's a reach that it gives so, you a ninja, which is pretty phenomenal without necessarily yeah. exposing them. And often it's yeah. when they're exposed is when, you know, when you might lose a ninja. So I, I think, yeah. yeah but I it's the deterrent. Good. It's like, actually, I, I don't want to move my, nin my models necessarily within six inches of you because the threat of this card hmm. is there. <laughs> No ninjas, ninjas as pro some other good combinations as well. Mm. Once you get more deeper into it, goodness, yes, which we won't go into here. Anyway, next card, Jingoku Berry Tincture, um, is an event, a two rice event. Um, play when an enemy model begins a melee exchange with a friendly ninja you own. Uh, the ninja gains lightning reflexes, faint one, and its melee weapons gain combo attack zero and strong. What a monster! Remove the ninja from play when the current activation is complete. Is this another 40k reference, like an Eversa assassin just going ham and blowing up? Uh, it, it wasn't, but yeah, it's the same basic idea, isn't it? It's, um, 
yeah, the the, the ninja is going to take a, a potion that increases their effectiveness, and but he's going to kill them in the end. I think there was um, there was some rings that did this at the end of Wheel of Time, and that might be where I got the idea. Sure, there's nothing new under the sun, Jason. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, but um, what I found is that occasionally somebody's going to go for one of your ninjas, use all of their their armies. Uh, tricks and things and single them out and they're going to die and i thought you know it'd be cool if you could just go i know this guy's gonna die i'm just gonna kill one of yours whilst you take him out and i you know so um at that point i think with lightning reflexes and all those abilities you should be able to do some decent damage yeah before you get removed definitely well and if you know that you're gonna go out at the end of the activation you know you've got lightning reflexes everything's in attack isn't it so yeah you're already going for it yeah fantastically fun card i like it um okay gray you gonna say on that uh i mean combo attack and stronger together very nicely with faint yeah and and line reflex you'll it's a big cost but Just you should stacking be, on top of a ninja already you should is be doing a lot good. yeah particularly on some of the ninjas already uh you should be doing a you know the, some of the other things that they can do it should be it should be doing the job yeah. um and yeah I've, i i personally have no problem with ninjas being able to assassinate models so i think that's absolutely fine unless you've got a wall band with 10 of them and then they should be uh, proportionally lower powered right as is the rule anyway next card uh know your enemy um is an event uh restricted to scouting mission to rice uh this melee exchange your opponent must reveal their dice allocation before you choose yours then both roll so that is good that's really good yeah that's really powerful any any specific oh, i mean good in uh oh yeah you can't take it in bleeding moon so yeah scouting mission again it's it's you know, a boost for maybe one of the lesser used themes right yeah so i i found it very difficult to judge how good umbral assassin would be for the assassination mission but it's it umbral assassin's also got a coolness factor that i think people will want to try out yeah uh, whereas this is just mechanically outrageous um it's 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 so good that you just get to see exactly what your opponent's doing and then you can allocate your dice to specifically counter whatever they're going to roll um that i think that that on its own will will make scouting mission a uh, a, a better choice than it has been yeah can you com- yeah. you can combine that with the card we just discussed the the exploding so you could see what your opponent's going to do and then <laughs> explode your ninja with yeah the ultimate like uh, I think I think you'd have to play Jigoku Berry Tincture uh, first because you play that at yeah. when an enemy model begins a melee exchange. Mm-hmm. So you you couldn't wait till after you see the dice to decide whether or not to play it. Uh, okay. Bit of, bit of time and finesse to go through, but it's just bit. another it's another ninja trick, and I've got plenty of tricks. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, totally. Anyway, some great cards for the ninja there. Wonderful. Let's move on. Next action, uh, Minamoto. We're on now. Who plays Minamoto? I know Jason. Oh, yeah. You do. yeah, I do. Uh, so the first one is another one in the uh, the back and forth between the um, the Bakamoto and the, the the Minamoto at the, the gates to uh, the, the garrison. Mm-hmm. Um, so we saw the the Bakamoto have got a thing now that will reduce uh, Indomitable. Mm-hmm. Um, this one uh, we should go into the darkness. We should. Uh, say first uh, it's an event for one rice or so really cheap playing the starting phase until the end phase all feats from communal cards cost one additional key token to use um, so that's going to have a huge effect on uh, Bakamono summons goes up by one 
Um, if they have to re-roll for Cowardly or whatever it is, they, that goes up by one. Uh, but I, it's also good into anything else with a, a communal card. So should have an effect on Utah, yep. uh, who don't have as much control over how much key they get. There's only three of them or possibly four of them. They make two each. Um, so if if you increase the cost of a six key feat to seven, you know they can't do it if they've got none. Um, but it is it's, it's part of that back and forth that we've been having. Um, and it's, it sort of shows that they, that's that's been in every cycle deck because that uh, struggle just seems to be ongoing. Yep. Yes, I so, like the I like the quote. Root them out at the source, or this will never end. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I could definitely see it uh, having a massive impact on things like Shadow Walk as well. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a it's a really useful, uh, but obviously quite targeted kind of card. Um, I love that it evolves that uh, ongoing fight as well, and that back one of getting some tools against Minamoto and vice versa. I mean, that's pretty cool. Definitely. So, next card. Peacock's Influence. Jason, do you want to talk us through this one as well? Uh, yeah, so this is this is an enhancement for Shugenja only. So this is the Ice Witches. Uh, it's only one rice. You can have three of them. Uh, I believe there's only two out so far. Um, yeah, that's right. Do lose track of what's been released and what hasn't. <laughs> so that might be a bit of a hint of things to come. Uh, and the attach model gains melee boost three and range boost three. Uh this is good for pretty much any of them. Uh, for one rice, it's uh, it's excellent for um, the first one. Was it Keiko? Uh, Kimiko. Kimiko for the first one because uh, she has an enhancement already that lets her gain a lot of key and has nothing to spend it on. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, what, what are their current boost values? Uh, she doesn't have one, okay. which is the... Uh, the main reason it's great for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've, I've played into her a few times, and she often ends up with uh, all, the, all the keys she wants, uh, well, up to a max of eight. So this would certainly uh, certainly help. Um, and a, a few times um, I've seen people put dedicated blade on her as well because she's a samurai. So that would <laughs> that would also combo quite nicely. Yeah, so that's great for the uh, the, the boost as well because like she she can have eight. She's a two eight, I think. Yeah. Um, so she she gets to eight very quickly, uh, and she doesn't have a ranged attack. Um, so she, yeah, like I say, she if if you just happen not to have anything to spend uh, icy veins on, if you don't need a target for that, um, then it's yeah, it's, it's very easy for her to just accumulate key mm. indefinitely. Uh, and this now gives her something to do. She can buy uh, with her melee. Uh, the other one that's out now is Hoshi Rinko. She does have already have uh, boost three on her melee, but she does it on a range, so she would get range boost, and she has a ranged attack. Um, and her range attack is only plus zero; it's not huge range, but it doesn't have any kind of ammo or reload or anything like that. So anytime you're just walking about, you might as well shoot somebody. Mm. And now you have the option to spend a bit of key to to make it a bit better. Um, nice. So yeah, for one rice, I think this is probably going to be. Uh, we're going to see this in play. Yeah, the, the background on this, Jason. Uh, so the Peacock's Influence is the card's name, and it's got, you know, I don't understand. <laughs> okay, so um, so the uh, Ikeda family um, are the Peacock clan, mm-hmm. um, and the son of the Great Bear, who is the daimyo of the Bear clan, has recently married into the Peacock family. Mm-hmm. 
this is a huge thing in the Joire Isles because the bears are quite happy to sit on their mountain, be the toughest people in the vicinity, knowing nobody can ever attack them because their mountain stronghold is just unbreachable. Mm-hmm. And that if they want to go anywhere, they have the toughest soldiers so they can go where they want and do what they want. But the peacocks are almost entirely the opposite. They're the completely political clan. Right. So they have all of the ambassadors, they have all of the negotiators, everything like that. And uh, as soon as this happened, the prefecture, the dragon clan said, bring back all our guys from the uh, the peacocks, Koyus. We don't want anything to do with them right now because this is kind of an unbeatable alliance. Like if we wanted to take over the Joir Isles right now, those two clans would be the key. Mm-hmm. So this is like the, the prefecture are really bothered by this. Yeah. And it's like driving the previous allies apart because they've had this marriage that's made a uh, a really interesting um, uh, alliance of abilities of, of the one of the, the toughest armies and the uh, the most political of clans. Uh, and the Akeda clan have uh, Onamusha, which are uh, a cadre of female samurai. We haven't really gone into them at all, but um, they've basically impressed the Hoshi enough to the Hoshi have, have learned a bit more uh, of, of the martial side of things rather than sticking to the, uh, the the more mystical side of things. God, yeah, wonderful. So so much flavour so just there, in yeah. one line. I'm <laughs> picking that. I'm glad I asked. Oh, isn't it great? We've got the man on to explain that to us. We'd have been floundering in the darkness there, wouldn't we, Greg? It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. It's uh, pretty cool that. So yeah. Um, yeah. What we need is a source book, hit. don't we, with all of the all of this stuff <laughs> written out written out in it. Anyway, next card, um, implacable advance. Um, uh, two rice event. Um, Playing the starting phase, all friendly Minamoto models remove all prone markers, and until the end phase, roll an additional dice during move and size tests. So yeah, Jason. Uh, this went through a lot of different iterations and we settled on this one um, for a while it was one you could use at any point and it just removed the prone markers and then uh, for a while it was an enhancement that you could buy many of that just did the extra dice for move and size tests and uh, while all of those were good um, a couple of us we talked to al who won the masters with minimoto and i was sort of playing a bit with mine and we were just like yeah I, I just wouldn't take them though and then we sort of hit on this medium ground and it was just like, actually at two rice, that's probably good into quite a few things. Mm. Um, yeah, obviously that's going to be great for um, traps and snares. Totally, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, anything else that does a lot of prone at once. So um, maybe the dragon uh, or, or something like that, that's, that's going to do large amounts of prone. Uh, you can, just sort of sucking up till the end phase and then you don't have to waste your actions the next turn standing up mm-hmm. uh by playing that so it's yeah uh and it, it's just uh, it's it's a weird one because you might think how does that fit minimoto until you read the flavor text and it's just like, always forwards it's just like all oh, right it's a, just the slow you can't stop them they're, they're slowly walking towards you <laughs> uh, there's just nothing you can do about like it a bit, bit like, yes. bit, bit like barge pass i think that's sort of similar kind of one where the mechanics may seem a bit uh a minimoto but then when you think about what the car's actually trying to do it is very minimoto um i, I can see that one being a really great card in, against some bills obviously like uh uh, peasant traps and uh, totally. oh, army. first thing I thought when I saw this was like actually if if this became a bit of a staple well once it's in the meta 
it makes me totally rethink Bastions mm. about the number of traps I include and, and start to think about including all these other different options that are coming out. Yeah, it's a great little meta shaker. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, snares and things like that, that that's a, a move test as well. So there's there's plenty of uh, plenty of good situations where it could be a very impactful card. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it'd just be interesting to see how it makes it into the... Yeah, it's it's also it solves a problem because um, we were never going to give Minimoto any kind of move boost or anything like that. So, uh, but I do like the idea that they can sort of shrug off these these snares and things that require a move test. Hmm. Um, so this was the only way to do it. Really. You get an extra dice, but it doesn't give you the extra movement. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think it's it's quite thematic. Um, uh, it, it's another silver bullet, so it's one of those where it's going to depend on your meta or what you expect to see, but uh, it's, I think it's well worth having around. Agreed, right. So next card, and the final Minamoto card, is an enhancement for two rice. Uh, this model counts as two models, except when an enemy model wishes to move into base-to-base with it, so it doesn't prevent models from engaging you. Uh, whenever you need to count models, this model is two models. In a melee exchange with this model, the enemy model is considered being base-to-base with one additional friendly model for melee assist penalties. So it basically just prevents you being outnumbered and um, taking those penalties, right? So it doesn't prevent you being outnumbered. Uh, other models will still give you melee assist penalties. Right. Uh, but it means that you, on your own, give a melee assist penalty to you, to a, an opponent when you're one-on-one. Um, right, got you. Yeah. It's, it, is quite, it is quite complex what happens with this, and I do expect this to probably get a, a bit of FAQ. Just uh, it, it's The wording is correct, as far as I can tell, but um, it is a bit complex what happens. It started with this model counts as two models, um, and that was the initial idea for it. It's just like... Uh, if you remember the old Doom comic, who's a man and a half, I'm a man and a half. <laughs> or this guy goes one further, and he's two men. Um, Got you. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So, and- uh, yeah, it's really good in zones. It's good uh, when people when you're fighting one-on-one, they get minus one dice because you give a melee assist penalty. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it does work for other things as well. Uh, I've put just the idea whenever you need to count models, this model is two models, so... Um, if you want to use something that's got, like, say, cost X and it affects X models, this one's going to be two of those X. So you might have to pay an extra key for it, uh, right. depending on the key. Um, so, yeah, it's. I, I imagine it's going to get some FAQ just to iron out all the, um, the complexities. I mean, but I, I think it's a cool idea. Uh, it is a cool idea, honestly. It's just because how many cards have we been through already? What, 30 or so? it's just it's just card read fatigue that uh, so i misinterpreted that but no i think it is i've just reread it as you've been talking i think it's clear totally it's a it's a, sim- it's a simple idea that um because uh, because it sounds wordy but it's a simple idea and and yeah. unfortunately it sort of needs to be kind of wordy to cover everything but but the flavor uh, text helps yeah you know, look at the size of that one yeah it's so. clearly a, a cool idea and it's got yeah. a, a lot of application i would have thought so uh yeah it's uh minimoto are tough to go uh one-to-one with anyway but when <laughs> when it's two-to-one that doesn't sound good at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally so some great cards there for minimoto let's move on to the next faction um we're, we're coming towards the end of the list um uh she-ho towards the most requested card in bushido history i think uh, are we are you going to give us a spoiler as to what that is is that in the faction we're just about to hit or uh yeah uh, uh this is for she it's straw hat 
Ah, um, one of the it. things that everybody has really liked about the Shiho sculpts is the hats. Um, and uh, it got to the point where a couple of the models that don't have the hats sculpted on, they're either uh, on straps on their backs or uh, not present at all. Um, people have attributed certain lack of uh, expected uh, stats or traits and things. Why doesn't this person have a higher stat here? Oh, he's not wearing his straw hat. <laughs> uh, so we thought we, we, we should put the straw hat in as a card. Um, it's it's also something I really like it because it, oh, we should probably go through it. It's an equipment. It's only one rice. You can have three of them. Uh, it requires loyal and samurai. Uh, so you have to be both. Uh, and the attached model gains disguise two. And I love disguise two because it does almost nothing if you are key two. But it completely stops you interacting with somebody if you are key one. So it's, uh, yeah. uh, it's not like fear two, which generally does nothing regardless. It's uh, It has a huge effect on key one models, but it does literally nothing for anybody key two or higher. You'd have to roll a double one for your key test. Excellent. Yeah, it's so it's so thematic. It's it's really, really good fun. And I've I've come up against that with I think one of your successful roses test games, Craig. I had a, a warband that was mostly key one models and yeah, nothing much I could do there. So I yep. can certainly feel the feel the pain <laughs> coming up against people in straw hats. We need to get um Ben to like start resin printing straw hats so everybody can just buy one. Um for theme. Sheho players. It should be a, a it, it is an interesting card and in you can have up to three of them i think just it not only is it good fun but actually i could i could see it being quite handy on uh some of your models just to help them kind of with scenario play and when they're kind of on the back line because you can even after your mass flank you can only activate one model at a time so you've got other people kind of waiting their turn and it's nice when when you when you can kind of bully key one models as you say uh so I could I could definitely see this being a an interesting one, particularly on some of the more ranged focused um, uh, flankers as well and and um, samurai. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun card. Yeah, you'll find it fun, Craig. I'm looking forward to getting boned by it in all sorts of different ways. Anyway, yeah. Uh, next card then, uh, Lay of the Land event. Craig, you can start talking about these. You're the Shiho player. Yeah, sure. Um, the so, yeah. most successful Shiho player of all time, you might say. Over <laughs> <laughs> to you. Uh, um, so yes, Lay of the Land is an event to play before deploying any terrain recruited by a warband. You may decide the order recruited terrain friendly and enemy is deployed one rice. So I think this is a really interesting card. Uh, Shiho tend to bring a lot of terrain to the battlefield. So... Um, trying to get that order right can actually be quite impactful particularly because um yeah like race bail barricades and things like that are pretty ubiquitous so it's not like it's a niche card i think you'd actually get quite a lot of use out of this and uh, as you've seen from going through so far there's even more terrain options being added to the game um some factions are particularly wedded to their uh, to their train as well, like Bakamoto. So uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting things you could do with this, um, and some of your train placement can uh, can kind of factor in more to the game. Um, I actually really like the Shiho train options and how they can kind of combine to get the opposition to really have to fight the table as much as the Shiho faction. So this, in my mind, kind of builds on that. So 
it's one of those one that I've, I've, I think it's really exciting and interesting just to see kind of how much impact this is actually going to have on the game. Um, it's a one rice card, so uh, you know it may well have some games where it doesn't feel like it's doing an awful lot. But I think if you're quite skilled at where you place terrain, uh, you can counter deploy and and such uh, because with all of these terrain pieces, they do have to be in the in the right place to really be doing what they want to be doing. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, I think it's a really interesting card. Cool. Fantastic. Right, next card. Um, uh, sorry, certainly on Lair of the Land, yeah. I mean, I often take, you know, like the Gorinto in Ro- Rokan, you know. If you force me to put that in a place, I don't want it. That's, that's not yeah, great. it's a, definitely a tournament player's card. I think uh, casual players probably not going to bother with this so much. But if you're one of those people who's got really into the uh, the back and forth of placing terrain before the game, as the, the tournament um, pack says, mm-hmm. uh, then this, this is huge. I think this is going to give you a huge advantage. Sure, and it is a whole game within a game. I'm still learning yeah. terrain placement. Sure. Just I wrote it, and I'm still learning it. So. <laughs> <laughs> put, 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 uh, the, put the scenery down. Sometimes feels like, yeah, literally the game, a game in itself. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all the counterplay. So yeah, no, we'll have to do a podcast purely about terrain placement. I reckon, Craig, mm-hmm. one day. Anyway, next card: Distaff Wolf is an enhancement for two rice. Uh, required is Wolf and Samurai keywords. Um, attached model and friendly loyal samurai models with a rice cost of less than the attached model reduce the cost of their melee pool key boost by one. So that's pretty good. Yes. Craig? I think this is uh, what a lot of Shiho players have been uh, wanting to see because it does two things very well. Um, it allows you to take a wolf, uh, which are the Tanaka clan uh, samurai, and operate with uh, more seamlessly with the little samurai um, some of the crossover and benefits that you get from being a little samurai are then uh, available um, which there are lots of things you can do during this building and also on the table um, and it also um, reduces your key boost which is the main kind of way that Shiho should be kind of overpowering people when they're surprised so it does those two things uh, very well. Um, I think it's an absolute bargain at two rice. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think, Jason, you've probably listened to the community, some of the feedback and, and on this, I imagine. Um, and, yeah, I think, it, I think it'd be a very popular card. Yeah, I, the, uh, one of the things that I found when She-Hole were released was that I, when I played them, I was boosting my melee a lot more like everybody says oh why have they only got melee two on the samurai it's completely it's something you just can't deal with it's too low and i was boosting a lot when i started playing them as a, a player test um but the people sort of have shown me that the if nothing else using your feats is cooler than boosting your stats uh the feats don't do interesting and flashy stuff so people want to do that you don't want to boost even if it's a good option um so there's going to be the, the the idea of making the boost cheaper. It's, I think it was already in one of the themes. Um, yeah, grid of warfare. It's, uh, it's coming up in another uh, another place as well. And there's going to be this one. Um, so that it should be that you can you can at least engineer a turn or two where you're going to have boosts that cost one. And at that point, I think you're, you're essentially a three or four dice samurai because you might as well boost it. Um, the one thing that that really changed uh, around on this from listening to the community was making it a, a wolf card. Um, 
getting a wolf samurai in, making the wolf loyal, and then having it based off where that samurai is rather than any other way of, of giving a lot of uh, of that that reduced cost um, was from uh, the, the players really wanting more use out of the wolves. And also it gives people who are just playing the wolf something because you can just take it to reduce the cost of their boost by one if that's something you need. Yeah. I, think I, I don't think I mentioned, sorry, when I was reading out the card text, I didn't say that the attached model gains the loyal type, um, which for those of you who are technically minded and are wondering how this works, that is a thing on the card. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. It enables things like Keita's virtue to, to be spent on it and all sorts of combos. So I think this is a sort of card that obviously the community will take some time to digest, but I think it's a huge card for Shiho. It, um it, it really is a great way to marry the the, the Shiho with the Tanaka and uh, bring some pretty powerful effects to the table. So uh, yeah, I think I think uh, a lot of people will like this and uh, we'll get we'll get some use out of it. Fantastic. So next card, Falconer's Glove. Uh, Jason, do you want to take this one? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to admit this. This is essentially a card that fixes an oversight more than anything else. Um, the uh, I'll go through it first. Falconer's Gloves are an equipment. Um, if the attached model is included in your warband, you may also include running birds. Um, this card can be attached to running Falconer models uh, in a Shiho warband, which you wouldn't be able to otherwise because they're running. Um, and the requirement is Hiroto and running Falconers. So you can put it on any of the three running Falconers or Hiroto. It's just one rice, and it lets you take running birds, which is the eagles of the Joir Isles, mm-hmm. and giant eagles. Obviously, you could already take giant eagles, um, but it would also affect any more birds that come out that are running. Great. Uh, they should really have been in before, but I think paying a rice for it isn't a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the three eagles all do uh, different stuff. Um, uh, you could, depending on what your list is, any one of those is probably a good. Uh, a good model to take and one extra rice for it is uh, is, is huge to play yeah okay. great great can you see a use yeah I, I mean yeah get, getting in some cheap activations could be quite handy anyway and they're quite quite useful models um, I haven't seen the Falconer profile uh, so look forward to seeing that and uh, yeah I mean it's kind of talking about cheap activations it offsets Hiroto's uh, high cost a little bit so uh, but more importantly probably overall it's just it it just feels kind of right and thematic that the Eagle Clan has um, access to the Eagles uh, they which... get coordinated attack with Hiroto as well don't they because he's an Eagle yeah they do because he's yeah. an Eagle yeah so uh, it's good to see uh, the, yeah that. one of them does so the Eagle of Rokan gets coordinated attack yeah yeah so it's it's cool to see that as well so yeah, so um, I think it's a good card. Um, it will probably get better when the Falconers are out. Let's we'll yeah. see what they're like. Sure. So that brings us to the end of the Shiho cards. So on to Kinchi next, and there's so as you alluded to earlier, Jason. I think there's one card for the Kinchi Temple. It's the only faction that only has one card, right? Uh, yeah, we we did everything we wanted to for Kinshi, and we've not really had enough feedback to do anything else. Um, so they're just here. So they they're getting one card. Um, this is this has come about recently. Uh, uh, in fact, future theme boxes might all get the same treatment of getting two themes so you can play them slightly differently. 
Um, so yeah, we've, we've put in an extra theme so you can play them in a, in a very different way, basically. Fantastic, yeah. So it is a new theme card called Everything and Nothing. <clears throat> and this is what it does. Uh, when a friendly Ronin model is killed, replace it with a Void Rift. This can be used to deploy a replacing Void Rift in base to base or a zone of control. Uh, when a friendly Ronin model performs a scenario action, remove one fewer activation counters at the end of the action. They must have the usual amount of activation counters available, so they obviously can't do a scenario action if they've got zero. Um, whenever a uh, victory point is scored, uh, deploy a Void Rift terrain in base to base with a friendly model. This can be used to deploy a replacing Void Rift in base to base or a zone of control. So, uh, you guys have both played Kimchi. Do you want to unpack that theme? Uh, so uh, the important part is the uh, permitted line, which is oh, of course. Uh, any Kinshi Temple models and any Ronin models. So that's any of the Ronin that work for Kinshi. Um, and those are, I think I, I made a little list actually. Uh, uh, Dark Dark Pilgrim, Hazomi, yep. uh, Maha, Kami of the Blighted Earth, Kami of the Choking Fog, and uh, Tenbatsu. Um, yep. I mean, that's I it. That's it. Yep. You're right. For now. Unless new Ronin, Kinchi aligned Ronin are released. So, uh, so, yeah, go on, Jason. Yeah, just five, five new models. That's um, uh, But they, they really weren't getting used before because you'd have to go without the theme. There's not really enough Kinchi models to make it worth having a sideboard or anything like that. So um, you, you'd be literally themeless. There's not much point in taking order for battle. Uh, so this one lets you use the Ronin. You've got the option to use them now. And... Uh, the idea for this is rather than having the monks teleporting all over the place, they're sort of finding people who are willing to join in their um, their service of the void and getting them to do everything for them. Uh, so uh, you're still getting your void rifts um, and the Ronin are uh, able to do, like, I mean, for Tenpatsu, for example, he never wants to do a scenario action, but when it's free... As long as he's got the uh, uh, the activation counter, he might as well, and then he can go and kill more people like he wants to. Um, so it's it should provide just a, a very different playstyle for uh, a faction that could otherwise be quite restrictive because there's only one box set and one thing. Yeah, definitely. And it's always nice to get a bit more ten batsu on the table, isn't it? <laughs> he's, a, he's a fun profile to use so yeah he's he, yeah. a pretty awesome profile and uh yeah so he has something to kinchi which um they don't necessarily have that kind of like just straightforward uh brute force figure um i, I think it's quite fun because it, it's kinchi but in a very different way um and i think when we spoke a while back uh jason we were saying like you could probably you can try to get the extra risks from from the husk but this kind of just enables you to get it a few other ways, and I, I can see some like the Kami in particular being good uh, for those uh, void rifts, uh, so that you can still have some of the some of the jumping around, but you get the flexibility of the Ronin, uh, and it's a pretty massive benefit that uh, you've given the Ronin there. It's just that most of those Ronin don't necessarily um, find themselves doing scenario running. That's that's probably the the, the thing that kind of keeps it in check. Um, but yeah, like you said, they'd be happy to do so if they're in the right place at the right time. Um, so yeah, I'd be, uh, be keen to see kind of how people utilize that and sort of how, how, how much uh, uh, interest they have given that the, the standard way to play them is pretty good. 
yeah, you kind of have to play into it. You know, so, like, uh, with Tenbatsu, for example, if you want to walk in and kill somebody who's stood next to an idol, you just stand next to the idol as well, kill that person, <laughs> and then yep. next activation, you can pray at the idol or turn the idol, whichever it is, uh, and it doesn't cost you an activation counter. So, uh, it's uh, you, you, you can you can make those things happen. It's probably a bit harder with uh, Hozumi Maha, because she doesn't want to go anywhere near anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, she very much stays at range. Yes. But she's yeah. quite. She has deterrent tech, doesn't she? So she's actually. Yeah, I think I think the the dark pilgrim could be interesting. It's just because uh, the list doesn't put out a lot of stun, but I don't think that's necessarily an issue. Uh, I mean, you do have the the uh, fog army, but uh, I think actually she's quite good running around, just destroying terrain, but um, and, and and fighting in combat. But so it'd just be interesting to see what what combos come up. But uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Tenbatsu is a very fearsome model so making him a scenario runner as well sounds like mm. it's sounds like that's 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 worth playing on its own yeah it'll be quite distressing when you're getting you know oppressed by tenbatsu in combat and then he starts turning idols as well you'll be shaking <laughs> your fist at the sky going, oh, damn you tenbatsu anyway <clears throat> moving on from kinchi we're now on the ronin cards final stretch guys um Indeed. well done for everybody who's stuck with us for this mammoth like podcast right so uh where are we going first uh imperial censure i think yeah, which one. is a uh koshimori yukio exclusive card i think not because of his name because it's required imperial and taishin uh, and i think he's the only one in the game that has those two words yeah. at the moment yeah, so far. So, uh, playing the starting phase, choose a non-animal, non-insignificant, non-soulless enemy model and remove an activation counter from that model for two rice. That's pretty good. Yeah, I Any think... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, this is another one. Uh, Yukio Koshimori uh, is somebody who fits in the Imperial March list uh, and people basically only take him because he's low enough rice cost to fit and give you six models. Um, he's not a great model, but uh, he does kind of uh, some interesting things that you want. Uh, and we thought he could do with a bit of help. So this is, for two rice, I think is a, um, a big boost for him. He definitely has some utility. I've, I've looked at, well, I've put him in a list. He's not he's not awful, awful. So I think, yeah, certainly with this card as well, it um, certainly makes him much more interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the lack of doing scenario actions can be a bit of a problem, uh, given that the the rest of your warband doesn't necessarily want to be scenario running, and that could be. But but then this can kind of counter it because uh, yeah, he's kind of uh, with with he's a uh, he's a bay and and that card it gives him mm-hmm. a lot of control uh, directly and 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 a bit more subtly. So it's uh, it's a good one, um, and I think it's just the right value to squeeze in with the with the sisters and the and the sentinel uh, yep. uh sentinels i think you get both in this so yeah mm-hmm. just at the right level yeah so that'll be fun to try definitely want to get that out uh next card then uh is another terrain card i think this is the other um card sized terrain piece isn't it uh, yeah that we talked about so it's normal clear zero and destructible terrain this time Non-unique animal models consider this terrain as impassable. So that's going to be what silverbacks. That's going to be Kawanorojin. That's going to be uh, a few other things, I'm sure. There's, um, yeah, there's there's a few out there. 
pit dogs, uh, weasels, chickens. Mm-hmm. Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, monkeys, of course. Um, uh, Koji's pack, I mean. Um, animal models that begin uh, their activation. Koji's pack for now, sorry. Yeah. Animal models that begin their activations within this terrain element must declare stand up or an action that will move it out of the terrain. So if they're prone, they have to stand up or they have to get out of it. Um, and they treat it as normal until they're out, so they get out as quickly as they can. If the animal model cannot do so, it gains a frightened marker. So it's one rice. And Honoko says, even a silverback avoids this stuff, is the flavor text. Um, so yeah, an interesting card, obviously available to everybody as a Ronin terrain card. Any obvious uses, guys? Tower, uh, uh, yeah. um, obviously struggle to get around at the best of times with a large base so i think you could probably um either make a a difficult maze for them to get through where they have to wind round and struggle to get to the middle of the board can i make the um, argument that cow should have cloud walk i mentioned this in the discord but like they're like the kool-aid guy right they just burst through the walls so um <laughs> give them cloud walk for flavor reasons they're not broken that's any that's um that's the the Rashko effect. Where he, yeah. can, he can walk through difficult terrain, uh, sorry, destructible terrain, and just kill it. If Rashka can do it, a coward can do it. Come on, <laughs> come on. Right. Anyway, so yeah, it, that, uh, that's certainly as a peasant player and a coward player. Yeah, I don't like this card at all. Um, uh, same with Silverbacks. Uh, they're a bit smaller because they're on forty mil bases, but you can still make it difficult for them to get where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can do it, uh, like uh, put it on the front half of a zone so that you can claim the back half, knowing that they're going to mostly come at you with animals, then you're probably safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think for one rice, um, in the current meta we're in, where both Silverbacks and Kawa are quite powerful, um, this this could uh, this could be a useful card to just put in just in case. Yeah, it sure could. And it's yeah. this kind of card is like, it's given a different option to like Rice Bell Barricades, right? So it's a kind yeah, of often yeah. a one card... What you know, one rice terrain piece that you chuck into your list to use up an extra rice. Like, why not this one? Yeah, it might. Uh, if if on the off chance Mink and Densho ends up being a, a power list as well, uh, this might be good for that. It might, yeah. I'm sure we'll see it used in that way. Um, yeah, I was going to say it's like um, combos with wooden stakes as well, pretty nicely from Shiho and uh, and the card uh, Layla Land that we mentioned as well. So there's there's all sorts of good little combos you potentially could could look into there um but yeah it's 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 uh it's it's fairly relevant given the prevalence of some of those animal models uh so yeah i can see it being being useful to have for one rice as well which seems very good hmm. i need to make a little card size little little terrain piece lots of little animal skulls on it or something <laughs> that'd be nice anyway yeah or we'll see a resin one come out that'd be even nicer <clears throat> right anyway next card disputed ancestry this is very interesting one uh, play it in the starting phase so sorry it's a three rice event play it in the starting phase after key generation choose a model and that model replaces a type of your choice with the unknown type until the end phase so I initially thought about it like you could remove say the villager type in a peasant list uh, from say a cower that's pumping out um, uh, you know luck tokens and stuff you know, there's uh you could uh, i think craig you mentioned uh bakamono horde cards you can move the horde type so bakamono can't benefit from the communal key um any other uh maybe kaizoku as well there's quite a few sort of kaizoku you effects you could remove the bakamono type i think 
just yeah. cut them off from the communal key card. Yeah. If you if you move hard, then they can't be summoned. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, all sorts of stuff. This is one of those really open or, or cards, ninja. Right? Almost every ninja event requires you to be a ninja. So it's, it's, it's this yeah. great thing about this card. There's there's so so many so many yeah, interesting little ways it could be applied. Mm-hmm. So and it would take us an hour to go through them all. So we won't. We'll yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly mention it does replace it with the unknown type as well, which has its own connotations. If you have a um, obscure charm, for example. Goodness yeah. Me. Um, so if you wanted to, make, people like the obscure charm, but again, it's a silver bullet, so you don't want to take it against everybody. If you bring this, you're probably going to get some use out of it. Yeah, that's just a running card as well, so everyone's got access to it. Um, so, yeah, you can do some really, really cool things with that. Um, so I think I think that's why it's free rice because it's got the potential to do some really, uh, really powerful things and interact with the charm as well. And the main limit is probably just the depth for your knowledge on all the factions and all the cards and all the interactions to know which is, which is the right one to do uh, and uh, and play it that way. Yeah, uh, this is this is Andy's card and he said this is a big brain card. This is going to be for somebody will be playing this at a, a Grandmasters event at some point and it's going to be uh, Andy will come over and say somebody's done this and I'll be like, well, I don't know what to do either because <laughs> it'll be just an interaction nobody have thought of. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Uh, last last quick thing on this, the quote is by uh, Peacock Clan, um, who is insulting somebody. Right. Uh, so Ikeda Koetsu uh, saying, uh, "Your lineage leaves much to be desired." Very good. Yeah. Well, disputed an- ancestry is the name of the card. So I, I like that you'd play it on like a cower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving on, honourable demise is the next card. Another really interesting one. Um, so it's an event for one rice, um, exclusion savage wave. So every other faction can take it, right? Um, play it in the yep. starting phase until the end phase. Gain one scenario point for each friendly, non-animal, non-insignificant, non-soulless model killed. Yeah. So wow, I looked at it. I was looking at this in the context of um, there's a temple card that does something similar. What's it called? Um, uh, let me try and remember. I'm sure I wrote it down, so let me just quickly look at my notes. Um, the Gathering of Anari was the card. Uh, if I can remember what it does. So I think that's the one that... When, that's, the, that's the heal for pass tokens. Yeah, when people use pass tokens, you heal. Yeah. Whereas... With this one, you're looking at your models being killed and you're getting scenario points back. So it's almost like a different um, way of using like an aggro peasant list and saying, okay, well, I've, I've kind of got stuck in. My models are starting to wear down a little bit. Now kill me. Come on. And then I'll get more scenario points because they kind of score a little bit early. So, um, yeah, I, I, it, it's a really, really interesting card for certainly the first build that occurred to me. Which was the the bastions kind of list? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting card for mm. any faction that mm. wants to make uh, your opposition think twice about killing your models. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's plenty, plenty of uh, good lists out there like um, that revolve around um, gameplays like that. So, like Dissension, where they really typically want to play the scenario rather than just kill the enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this could be a really good good card for 
for uh, that kind of build. Um, it's probably right that it doesn't go into Savage Wave because back one I guess it could be um, yeah using this card um, quite nicely and you know the only just generally you like to go all out attack and prothematic reasons it's just not that sensible but um, yeah I think I think it's a a good card with the restrictions that it's got so that you can't just throw uh, yeah it's not just throw away it's models that um, the throw away models don't really matter for it. Um, uh, and I think so. I, I think, think is it that peasants would be the the, the best type because I'm I'm thinking cheap like horde models that don't have you know they're not animals they're not insignificant. I think peasants is probably the best option. Maybe some dissension builds. It, I, I, uh, no, um, tribesmen go down to about eight rice, uh, so you can have a couple of eights, a couple of tens. But yeah. peasants have got like they got fives, a couple yeah. of sixes, haven't they? So I think yeah. if you're playing a points base list as well there is a there's a few builds out there now with the new starter set family themes yeah. uh you can actually start accumulating a lot of points uh this is potentially another way to make that good uh because it's a good list at generating points it doesn't necessarily win fights so that's another interesting one because there's a, a running card so yeah i think anyway you lots to, see, to look at yeah, you can start to see a whole different build, but like the other ones we said, it, it requires the opposition to actually take the bait. So it sounds really good, but it does require them to actually walk into it almost because yes. they could just do something better for that turn and then kill you next turn. Although equally, you know, any t- you know, you get a turn of not being killed is a good thing. Could be Gen- yeah. generally speaking. Gen- right, generally the, speaking. The, the... Right. Okay. Next card. Um, oh, it's the it's the. Um... What's what's the title? The title of the deck. This is the card, right? Weeping Sky. Yeah. So uh, this is like uh, Year of the Risen Sun, I guess. Mm. Um, not quite as uh, universally applicable, but um, I think we'll probably see some of this. Uh, it's an event um, play during deployment. For the first turn, all models lose Cloudwalk and Lightfooted, and you cannot gain Cloudwalk or Lightfooted, and it's only one rice. So. Uh, there's, uh, like we say, there's more terrain been put in this time. Um, there's plenty of terrain already exists, and terrain placement, as we've said, is its own little game. If you've got this, that's definitely another thing to be looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, totally. There's some warbands that you build around having, yeah, be, be able to get that board position early on using cloudboard like footed. So it's almost like a war weary more than a year of the risen sun, I would say. Type of card. Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, I think it's also interesting because it's um, it's it, it yeah it affects some list lists differently, um, and uh, I could see like lists like Minkandencho could be quite good because intangible is not impacted and things like mm. that. So um, it would just be interesting to see what, where where the best use of this is when people start to kind of you know playing around and, and putting it into their list. Um, John can put out quite a lot of scenery, uh, whether that's possible to impact the game that much that early on it'll be yeah i'm not quite sure but it'd certainly be interesting to see what they can come up with definitely definitely um make them all drunk as well and they lose light-footed and then they get unstable too if you're taking guys opium oh interactions anyway next card um this is a really interesting god every every card gets more interesting than the last incredible sabaki play this one so it's an event um it is uh let me see uh two rice 
Yeah, that's right. right. Okay, cool. Um, in the starting phase of the first turn, you may place one friendly model within one inches of its current location. If you do, your opponent may also place one of their models within one inch, one inch of its current location. And then you may reuse this card. So this is one of those like exponential cards. It can just not exponential. It, it can keep going. It can keep chaining as long as both players decide to place a model. Um, but you, each model may only be placed once by the card. So you're not going to get your whole warband moving more than an inch. But certainly interesting. Um, ex the exclusion is Jung and Minamoto. Jung, obviously, they've got. Queen of the Waves and stuff, and uh, Jason, you didn't. You said yeah. Minamoto is outside of the design space, right? Placement effects and stuff. Yeah, Minamoto don't only move by walking and running and charging. It can't move any other way. Sure, and, and Jung would have what? Too many? Yeah, we, we didn't. We didn't have. Uh, we didn't test it enough to work out whether this was too much for Jung in addition to all their other place effects. So we thought it'd be best to just take it off them Makes and uh, assume that pirates don't play uh, chess <laughs> games as well. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Okay. So yeah, fascinating. I think that's one of those cards that's you know you, you need to see it play out a few times. You know, see yeah, what happens. I mean, it's, it's got potential because sometimes you can work out that you could get to somewhere you need to, like an, an idol or a zone, but you just need to be like a little bit further forward, and this might mm. just be that nudge, um, or you might need to counter deploy or whatever. So I can see it being quite quite a useful card, um, and. Uh, yeah, and, you know, obviously factions that want to get into position quickly, it will be good for. So uh, it's yeah. uh, it's another one like um, uh, balance as well, where it seems like I mean balance is called balance, so you'd think oh well it's going to affect both players equally, uh, but obviously if you're playing alphas and you play this, uh, then you're placing within one inch with a fifty mil base, yeah. Uh, and if your opponent's placing thirty mil bases, you've got a huge advantage there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you're getting closer to them with Oni, which you know, it's, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, yeah. Okay. So, and speaking of um, cards like balance, onto the next one, Dharmic Path. So this is a two rice event. Play during deployment. Gain a scenario point for each event card. Play your opponent for the rest of the game. So into something mm -hmm. like peasants is going to be playing lots of trap. Event cards, ninjas, um, Silver Moon, Silver Moon, yeah. yeah, Ninja. Some some factions this will have a, a really serious impact on. Yeah. It's another one that went through a lot of iterations because um, it, you. I mean, when you read it, you think it should be one of those one turn during the game things, but mm -hmm. uh, people just then didn't play events that turn. And while that's still an advantage, it didn't really seem like it was worth it. So. Uh, we sort of had a look at it and said, oh, well, just if we make it for the entire game, then it's still in your opponent's hands whether or not they play their events. Yeah. So they're going to have to judge, you know, is it important to play this trap now or am I just giving up a scenario point for nothing? Um, or, you know, even even the big events like the ninjas, oh, I need to shadow moves now, but that might make me lose the turn to victory point. So... Yeah. Um, it's I think it's, it's really powerful. Um, like I say, I think it, it would have been a one rise for one turn, uh, but the way it's worked out, it's uh, because it's in your opponent's hands. I think it's not overwhelming, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see people play into this. 
Agreed. And the obvious thing to me is like, you know, if I was playing a peasant's list, it would stop me from playing by any of my traps or game. But you do have those turns where maybe you're definitely going to lose on scenario points. So you're going to lose the victory point anyway. You can then spam all your traps out in a turn to give you board advantage for the next couple of BPs, maybe. So it's not so much of a complete like rock to the to the scissors. Um, there are some counterplays, but it's certainly very powerful. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I was going to say the other thing to bear in mind is um, pacifism is a risen sun cycle card. So a lot of these cars cars are potentially getting scenario points and allowing that kind of play. Um, you can't just that you can't have them all them together. Uh, like so so that's something just to bear in mind uh, when people listen to this um but yeah any any uh, warband that is heavily reliant on events this is a nice counter just as a deterrent stop them playing the cards and um you know we all we, we all know there's some factions that lean heavily on their cards um so it's nice to have something in your back pocket to to, to shake mm-hmm. that up and make them think twice and I think with a lot of those cards, particularly with event cards, some people consider them to be like a bit of a negative experience to play against those. So this is a nice, you can do the counter negative experience. So you want to bring a load of traps? Ah, screw you. Yeah, <laughs> Which is absolutely. quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. I like that. Uh, it's kind of funny as well. Uh, this was again written as a preview for the Kitsune. Hmm. Uh, and then sometime after this, we added the four um, test cards to Kitsune. So they're one of the worst things to play into this card now. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, because you, you get those for free. Uh, that's essentially one of your uh, theme bonuses yeah. is getting those four cards. And uh, yeah, if you don't use them, then you're losing a theme bonus. But if you do, you're giving up points. Yep. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Cogs nothing, within wheels nothing, within. Nothing's cogs. really free. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so next next card, um, opportune uprising. So this is a um, one rice event with a maximum of three. Um, play when your opponent uses a pass token, gain one scenario point. But you can only play this once per. You can only play one of these cards per turn. Um, so yeah, another three. card in a similar vein, right? Uh, and it's not the first one that's a little bit of a counter to pass tokens. We had another card about that before. Uh, but yeah, yeah nothing got, too got... complicated about this one, I don't think. Couple of cards now to to kind of make you think twice about whether you just want to play pass tokens and because uh, yeah, there's back one one as as well. Um, and yeah, I think this one it's very nice in certain matchups and meta. Um, Ryu and ninjas obviously first come to mind, but uh, I'm yeah I'm sure there's other situations where you, yeah your opposition may just have a pass token and that's enough to make them think twice about spending it. Um, so that's mm-hmm. that's not bad at all um you can have up to three of them as well so yeah it's uh it's a very interesting card another one that just generates generates those points and and that's available for every faction there's no mm-hmm. restrictions on that right yeah so yeah if everyone can have it of course it's fair um so that was the penultimate card we're on to the final card exciting times and this one is a really again a really exciting one is it the most exciting i'm not sure unforeseen consequences um certainly the most chaotic i think um so it's an event for two rice playing the starting phase until the end phase each time an enemy model is damaged a friendly model gains one key token so it seems uh, when i first read this it seemed quite innocuous but then craig started talking about 
um, knock-on effects and my mind was a little bit blown about actually yeah you could have some pretty crazy unforeseen consequences as in the name on the card here do you want to elaborate Craig maybe yeah I, I, th- I think it's another one of those cards I'd be interested to see the how it's used by uh, by the community and players um, I think the obvious application is for any warband that is looking to, to do more damage um, but uh, if I've read it correctly, it affects both sides. So you may enable plays and um, setups that actually wouldn't have been possible anyway. Now that may be fine. Maybe you've got lots of range attacks and you think you can get the damage in and that's not a problem. Um, it also combos quite well with people that put lots of states out. So like the, the Burakuu Moon that we mentioned earlier, um, they can do lots of damage through lots of little chip damage. So that's lots of key potentially they could generate through this. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I, I think there's some really interesting synergies. I should say also the sins with the orphans, uh, they get key back when they damage. So this is just more key for them. More key is kind of how they live. So it's pretty, pretty good for them. Um, it's just loads, loads. I mean, this I think it's very well named card because mm-hmm. it could lead to lots of different things just happening because then one model, because it doesn't have to be normal that causes damage, just a model then suddenly gets the key it needs to do something else, which triggers out another, you know, uh, another unforeseen consequence, you might say, Greg. Yes, <laughs> yeah, a very well named card. I love the flavor text as well because it builds on the, you know, the two, two rats kind of like. They've done something they don't really kind of know really what they've done almost and uh yeah so i think it's this gendo going that there's two of them now it's like not what they were expecting clearly from the two 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 pilgrims mm-hmm. so yeah so yeah, yeah. really like this card so, jason talk to us about this card yeah so uh just a quick thing i think we had to rename it just because uh consequences didn't fit uh across the top of the card so it's unforeseen outcomes okay. um which uh, is hopefully still conveys the same thing. I don't think it works for both sides. I think it's just yours. Oh, um, okay. So, okay. so you play it when an enemy model is damaged, friendly models gain a key token. So that's enemy to you and friendly to you only. Um, ah, okay. Uh, so uh, things to look at for this is, firstly, the model gains a key token. It's not. Um, it doesn't specify any way of gaining it. So you can use that for Kami if they get damaged. Mm-hmm. So if your fire cami takes a hit, you can give it the key token back or, you know, um, whatever one you want, really. Um, Ryujin, uh, maybe, Craig? Yeah, I mean, he heals anyway, so well, he, yeah, he oh, generates... You can, you can spend anyway, so. more, more of his key for cool stuff and get it back. Yeah. Getting stuff, yeah. Um, yeah, and you can do it as you go as well. So uh, if you have to, if you've got one of the cami that spends to do something, it can spend some and then you can... Uh, do some damage, give it back, and then it can spend some more. Uh, Got yeah. And it's each time an enemy model is damaged, so this goes really well with combo attack. Hmm. Uh, so if you've got some combo and you hit somebody three times, you'll gain three key. Yeah. Wow, so, uh, so I can see the Bleeder Moon Ninjas quite liking it as well. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's, it's better than I thought then, because I, I, I thought it might have affected both, so you've got more control over it. Um, but yeah, no, that's a really good card. It's a really good card. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just unforeseen outcomes. I think with that card in the deck, what's just going to happen with us? It does feel like the new Risen Sun in the sense that it could potentially enable you to 
do that key for your turn earlier and you might just kind of engineer a alpha strike just to get the key that you need to you know to make something amazing yeah. happen so it does have that kind of whole it unlocks a a puzzle that otherwise wouldn't be solvable. So and, some uh, different yeah. engines, yeah, might be possible using yeah. that card potentially. So yeah, lots to explore. Anyway, geez, that is the end. That is the end of the cards. We've been through every single one. Um, fantastic. I think, I think so. We haven't missed any, have we, Jason? Uh, I didn't notice missing any. Uh, yeah, there's 54 cards for the deck. So it's been a bit of a marathon listen, I expect, for people. I don't know if, if you'll edit this down under three hours or so, Craig. But, uh... <laughs> I'll do my best, listeners, but you may just want to uh, take a rest. I'll probably, uh, I'll probably signpost some um, some spots throughout. And, well, you're uh... telling us this at the end of the podcast. It's a bit late. For... <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll go on the blurb. It'll go on the blurb. <laughs> sure. I'm sure people read that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, well, c- can I thank you, Jason, for coming on the podcast and talking to us about this and giving us the opportunity to, you know, have a look at the cards, you know, and uh, talk about this just before they come out. That's that's really, really fun. That's no, great to be here. I, I, like I say, I've, I've, it's been so long since we started this, at least, um, that I just I really want to see players get their hands on them and see them at tournaments now and see what, what people can do with the new stuff and how they like the new storylines and things. So... Mm. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, well, I can say just from looking at what's the, I mean, it's already obviously a great job so far, just because I'm excited to try it all out, right? So, yeah. Like with all of this stuff, some will be, you know, hits, some will be misses, but it, the fun is in working that out, right? I think, I think the fun, because I did look at last cycle deck and I have gone through most of it, though a few have kind of stood out and have kind of enabled me to build war bands around them because they've been such useful cards. Um, I, I like the fact that that cycle deck doesn't necessarily have to disappear just because a new one comes out. So that doesn't invalidate necessarily everything I've done there, but it just opens up more options. And particularly with old some models that perhaps don't see the table so much or some themes that don't see the table so much, I can kind of see um, myself going back to them and taking a fresh look with some of these cards. But there's also clearly going to be a bunch of other synergies and combos to, to play around with and, and work through. And that's really, you know, it's just really exciting. So these these decks do a great job of uh, just keeping the game fresh uh, without hopefully overwhelming people with, uh, with, with with just you know too much new stuff. Um, because there's you know there's a manageable amount for I would hope for most factions and uh, and you know plus the rolling cards to, to kind of you know to work through. So it's, it's a great almost way. Like it's got all the excitement of a new edition without a new edition. Yeah, without the, the, the pain of learning all the new rules. Having to read like, the whole rule book, yeah. it, which is really nice. Yeah, so yeah that, that definitely. So yeah, and um, yeah, just to say again, Jason, thanks a lot for coming on uh, on to talk to us. Uh, always a pleasure. And um, yeah, I hope that we'll we'll see you again for the next exciting Bushido development. I hope. Yeah, anytime. Just let me know um, if uh, if you don't mind. I do have a tournament coming up in January. Please so plug away. Tickets should be going on sale uh, soonish uh, for 14th of January at Element Games in Manchester. Um, we're currently talking about what prize support's going to be available for that. Whether or not it's going to be a Grandmasters this year. Because uh, I really want a Grandmasters in mainland Europe. Um, so if I have to give up my slot for them, that's fine. But if we can have an extra one, that's even better. Um, well, I think you can probably sign us both up. When otherwise, uh, we'll we'll get something cool from GCT, I know. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, that should go up on the GCT website soon. 
amazing. Uh, tickets available. Yeah, that's 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 great. Um, yeah, we uh, went to January one this year, and that was great fun. It was great. Recommended certainly. So if you get the opportunity to go, sign up to that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, join us for the next episode, which I hope will be soon. Yep. Craig, you want to sign off? Yeah, no, thanks a lot, everyone, for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.